0: you're listening to 5x5, Five Five. this is a special event and a special show. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about today after Apple's uh, Let's Talk iPhone event, which took place earlier this afternoon. Today is, of course, October 4th, Tuesday. It's 2011. We've got a number of great guests that will be coming up here over the next hour or two uh, to talk about this, uh, some of the announcements that were made and what this means for Apple and the ecosystem that surrounds it. Uh, but before we get started, we'd like to say thanks to, uh, to a special sponsor just for this show. It's Juicy Bits. These are the producers of freshly squeezed software for mobile devices. Their newest universal app is called Halftone. It was selected by Apple as its app of the week in both Canada and the UK. It's got over 750,000 downloads and a four and a half star rating in the App Store. What does that mean? It means it's pretty good. Uh, Half Tone goes beyond a typical photo filter app and gives you your image's unique vintage style. It makes them look like they belong in an old comic strip. I use this thing all the time. I love it. You can choose from a bunch of distressed paper styles. You can uh, put cool uh, text effects and sound effects over it. it it's, it's just very cool, and uh, you should really go check it out. They also make a bunch of other apps like 3D Camera, a novelty app called SpyPix, and more. Go to JuicyBitsSoftware.com to see all of this stuff and uh, if you follow me on Twitter, I'm Dan Benjamin on Twitter. I'll be uh, pushing out some codes. You can get the app for free. So uh, without further ado, let's get started. So right now we have uh, here joining us today is Dan Morin. He's a senior associate editor of MacWorld. He's actually on uh, the floor there at, at the announcement. Hey Dan, are you there?
1: Uh, yes, I am. I'm technically, I'm in a parking lot right now, but I can I can look at Infinite Loop. It's right there.
0: And you were just in. You were in the. Room. I was
1: I was in the room. Yes.
0: That counts for something. We've also got a friend of uh, the 5 by 5 co-host of Build and Analyze. It's Marco Arment. Hey, Marco. Hey, how you doing? Doing good. And we've got John Syracuse from uh, another show we do called Hypercritical. Also, uh, you probably know him from his writing in Ars Technica. How are you? I'm just fine. You're just hanging out. Escape from work. He's got a real job. He's the one, you know... That doesn't doesn't necessarily allow for this. So we appreciate you making a special accommodation. I was too too timid to even tweet that you might really be here.
2: Yeah, that's you timid.
0: Yeah. So uh, we're we're here, and uh, well, maybe we can start with you, Dan. You were just you were just in there. You were just in the room. You were there when they were talking about uh, all the good news stuff. Maybe you can share some of it. And what were the highlights? And what was the crowd reaction? And what was it like not seeing Steve up there and, and having Tim Cook do the presentation? What, what did you think?
1: Tim Tim does really well, I think. Um, he's very different from Steve in some ways. Clearly, he's taken a lot of lessons from Steve. But the thing I noticed about him was that he's even slower and more deliberate than Steve is. I mean, when I was trying to type and transcribe some of the things he was saying, uh, I really had no trouble keeping up with him. And maybe part of it's that sort of drawl that he's got, too. Um, but I think... Since maybe speaking was a little bit out of his element that they've really coached him pretty heavily. Mm. But he looked good. He got up and he talked very smoothly and talked about, you know, Apple and how excited he was about all the products and sort of gave a recap of all the product lines um, to say, you know, how well they were doing. And he he got a couple jokes in here and there. and, And I think he overall did really well. I mean, he's not necessarily Steve Jobs' electrifying presence, but... Uh, you know, when it comes to Apple, I think the, the, the important thing is that you know, the products speak for themselves. And in that regard, I think they did pretty well. Although it was, it was somewhat of a strangely structured show because it felt more like they spent a lot of time recapping, obviously, stuff that we've already seen. iOS 5 stuff, uh, iCloud stuff. There wasn't a ton that was new. There were a few things here and there. We, we got a look at that uh, Find My Friends feature, which I think had been rumored for a while. Um, and overall, I mean, the reaction was pretty positive, but I think there was a lot of people, especially those of us in the press who keep up to date with all this. Uh, yeah, we know that we know that let's get, let's get to the meat. Um, but they, they certainly delivered at least on that in the iPhone 4S later on, which definitely got the biggest response from the crowd. But what did you
0: make? Uh, we'll, we'll just, uh, keep going with you, Dan. What did you make of the fact that this was the 4S, uh, something that was rumored maybe, uh, as the rumors started coming in later on confidence was sort of increasing about the 4s and decreasing about the 5 as we were hearing more and more up till the last minutes of the event were you guys surprised were you there in in the crowd was it still you know were people excited or were they like oh no five
1: i think they were still pretty pumped and i mean a lot of that still had to do with, obviously, the features that they showed off. Um, and you're right, that it seemed like the info about the 5 was decreasing, and, and more and more people were confident that the 4S would come out. And, and when you think about it, it makes sense. As uh, my, my colleague and our editorial director, Jason Snell, remarked, well, you know, and this is basically what they did with the 3G and then the 3GS— and since people are, most people in the U.S. are on two-year contracts, it kind of makes sense. Like, this is a great upgrade if, if you're coming from a 3GS. This is, you know, miles different. If you're coming from a 4, it's still really tempting. I mean, speaking as someone who owns an iPhone 4, you see all the demo that they showed off of the Siri features, and you're like, well, you know, my iPhone 4 is pretty close, but it doesn't have all this cool stuff. So I, I think, you know, it's all a matter of branding, right? You know, iPhone 5 is a name, a number, an idea and so people think of it as this totally new thing. I mean, could they have called the iPhone 4S, the iPhone 5? It's basically the same form factor. So people might have felt a little more upset about that. But, you know, feature-wise, there's still a lot to like in this one. And I think people were still really excited about what was showed off.
0: So, Marco, what, what do you think of this?
3: Uh, I I can't wait to get one, yeah. <laughs> to be honest. Um, you know, I, I've said before, I love the iPhone 4 case and hardware and everything. I really... Uh, I know a lot of people are disappointed that it's not something radically different that that can blow their mind, but to me, um, not only is iOS 5 really awesome to look forward to, but I can't wait to get my hands on that camera. Yeah, the camera is crazy.
0: So some of the details about the camera that we found out is it's an it's an eight megapixel camera, but it's way 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 faster. Uh, I mean, it's not even it, you don't even you don't even want to look at the existing camera anymore. I mean, it's it's that much better. <laughs> And uh, you know they, they they came out and they were just talking about how you know for many people the the current iPhone four is the best camera they've ever owned and that's true I mean we often take for granted uh, what kind of amazing camera it is well this one is is even better it has uh, it's eight megapixel it shoots in 1080p uh, I mean it, it sounds it sounds F2. great two
3: point four yeah uh, the old one I, I guess I uh, gathered was f two point eight so this is about forty uh, percent more light roughly. This enough for you to get one, John Syracuse?
2: If someone else wants to pay for one, I would have got an iPhone four if someone else wanted to, <laughs> want to pay, pay for the data plan. But I, I still don't have any use really for a seventy dollar a month plan for data and voice. But the the phone features look great. I mean, I I like the iPhone. I have liked all the iPhones when they've come out.
3: It's worth considering also. Um, we, do we know yet what Sprint's plans are going to be priced at? Because they Sprint often uh, undercuts other carriers to get customers. Yeah, but then you have to do Sprint. Sprint's
1: not bad. I mean, if it's, if it's significantly I, it, cheaper... It depends where you live, though. <laughs> yeah. Right. It might be better in New York City, for example. I know you're in the, in the New York area. I don't know how it is in a lot of other places. I, don't, I get the impression their network is not as wide-reaching as Verizon and AT&T, obviously. But you're, you're totally right that they might undercut on a plan because they are, especially looking forward at this potential T-Mobile-AT&T merger. Yeah. Sprint wants to, you know... B- sprint will become the low-priced alternative, right? So it's in their interest to try and undercut
0: thirty two sixty four by 24.48. i
1: mean you get to think that if you're if you're an
0: amateur photographer if you're interested in taking pictures you, you want to get it just for that that that's a huge upgrade that that in and of itself could could justify the upgrade. What do you think though guys about uh, you know th- and this is something that uh, all of us really have been talking about form factor stayed the same. Apple says this is good enough. We don't need to change it. It's, it's great. We're just, we'll put in a better camera. We'll make everything twice as fast. It'll download faster. New antenna, world phone. The people will like this.
1: You know, it's interesting that they decided, you know, clearly not to back down. They had all the, the whole to-do about the antenna and whether or not, you know, holding it wrong, all that, all that wonderful stuff. Um, and I think they, they doubled down on the antenna, right? Right. They said, we think this is the best, um, we're going to make it even better. And they have this, I don't know, the, the, the sort of intelligently switching thing was kind of vague to me. I don't know if someone with more technical bent has an idea of what the implication of that is. They talked about the faster download speeds, I mean, which sounds just like, from what I've heard, the HSPA Plus support. Um, so support for the faster network protocol. I, I don't know if they say better call quality, all this, all these touted things yeah. that will you know, obviously have to check out, but they clearly think that's good. The thing that shocked me or surprised me, I should say, maybe not shocked, was... Uh, I thought they might replace the glass back um, with something you know hard, that's a little more resilient. Since I know a lot of people have broken uh, their their glass back, but they you know they went ahead and rolled with that too. I think they they clearly think this is the right design.
0: Do you think that uh, maybe holding holding back some of the newer design ideas, whether they were wedge shaped or not, perhaps not? Do you think that that's so that they'll have more of an impact when they do come out with the iPhone five? There were some people on Twitter who were telling me that maybe. Uh, maybe they couldn't get the production set up for for the iPhone 5 the way they wanted, or there were problems, and that's why they had to keep, doing little air quotes, they had to keep the iPhone 4 design for that reason. What do you guys think?
2: You know, we had that one data point with the 3GS, right? So the 3G came out, and it was different than, than the first iPhone. And then the 3GS came out, and it was like, oh, well, this is kind of some in-betweeny thing they're only going to do once they couldn't they couldn't come up with a new design they wanted they wanted to get a faster phone out this was before we even really cared what that was inside the phones they hadn't branded the cpus i think yet i think it was which one was the first one they branded was it the a4 yeah the a4 yeah so like they weren't even talking about the internals and this was the 3gs and we also saw it as like a, just an intermediate step and then the 4 came out and like yeah this is back to normal right so we all expected a 5 now i certainly expected a 5 and a new design but now they, now there's two data points. Now you can make a little line that says 3G, 3GS, 4, 4S. So now after the 5, everyone will be expecting the 5S. And I saw someone tweet earlier that it's like, well, maybe they're on the two-year contract type of plan where they want you to buy your first phone, keep it for a two-year contract, and not worry about a phone that looks different than yours coming out. You know, if you're an early adopter and you buy them as soon as they come out, as soon as the design changes. Oh, I want that one because it's got a new case, right? So you buy it, and you're comfortable with it for two years, and then the different-looking one comes out. So... I think this is establishing a new. It's kind of like Intel's TikTok pattern, uh, where they they do uh, die shrinks and then a uh, not die shrinks, but they they do process shrinks and and then a uh, new architecture, alternating back and forth. So we'll see. I I, I think they are establishing a new three three s four four s five five s type of pattern. Uh, but I was disappointed that they didn't have a new case. Not not because of the insides, because the insides seem great. Like these same insides put them in a new case. Like I'm not. There's nothing inside this phone that's bad or outside of it, for that matter. The, for the four case is fine. I just wanted something new to look at.
0: Marco, what do you think the consumer perception of this is going to be? That uh, that people will say, oh, it's a new phone. Well, it's the same. Oh, it's got a better camera, but it's the same phone. Like, is that going to be, we know as geeks and probably most of the people listening to this show know better than that, know better than to think that. But, you know, there are a lot of people out there who are going to, who are or maybe going to say, well, there's been no change. Now, for the record, we know that without a change to the iPhone 4 month after month after month, they've continue to sell them very well but what do you think the consumer's gonna say for this the the non the non-geek the normal consumer that's a good question i
3: mean i i really don't think uh you know geeks are not going to be satisfied no matter what geeks want every apple event to to totally blow their mind to something completely new and awesome and it you know it has no downsides and costs nothing and you know and it's amazing and uh, so geeks are always going to be disappointed um regular people though you know i don't I don't, th- I don't know how much they follow this stuff. I've heard from a lot of regular people over the last six months or so. Actually, ever since the Verizon iPhone came out, uh, I've heard from a lot of people that they were going to wait until the, quote, iPhone 5 came out before switching to iPhone from whatever they were on before. Right. Usually, that, usually they were Verizon customers who were holding on to either a dumb phone or an Android phone or even a BlackBerry uh, before switching. And I think they were, they were doing that because they, they knew that iPhones came out every summer but you know now that we actually have the update i don't think they're going to look at it and say well i'm going to wait till the iphone 5 i mean some will certainly uh, but i think most most of the people who were holding out and waiting for the update this is an update so they're going to buy it <laughs> and they're going to be fine um, i think the integrating the the siri voice stuff is uh, is going to be a nice like demoable feature that will help people justify this being a meaningful upgrade. Dan
0: Morin, how long? uh, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead.
2: I I was going to say, I don't think they're selling to people with iPhones at this point. This announcement and this product line, they want to sell. Most people, you know, as a first approximation, most people do not have iPhones. And I think most people know what an iPhone is. And if you ask them, do you want a fancy uh, cell phone they would say iphone right apple is trying to sell to the people who do not have maybe people don't have smartphones period but certainly to people who do not have iphones that's why this this free 3gs is such a big deal to get people on board so for people who don't have an iphone they have no idea for 4s or anything like that but you get a person who has never even seen an iphone into the store and you show them the 4s they'll be blown away they have no idea that it's not an iphone 5 or anything like that so the details of people who, who know enough about the iPhone and Apple's internal uh, machinations to say that they're going to wait for the 5, that's not who Apple is targeting. Apple right. wants the people who do not own an iPhone. And that, that's, I think, the 4S and the 4 and the 3GS will do very well with those people.
0: Uh, Dan Morn, what do you think about the pricing of these things? Um, maybe you can kind of recap what they were because they, they totally changed the pricing of all the existing phones. They're still making the 3GS. They're still making the 4. And now there's the 4S and they, all, they changed up all the pricing.
1: I, I think what is really interesting is that I, I think this may be the first time that we've seen uh, is this the first time we've seen the two two uh, previous models? yeah held around yeah um, or and and the, as John is saying, the the free three gS is a big deal. I mean, yeah, uh, as he said earlier, you know the data plan is still ends up being the, the bulk of what you pay. So uh, it's not been a huge deal breaker for people to go in and say, "Well, you know, give me—I got a hundred bucks, give me a three GS, and or four fifty fifty bucks in recent months, and give me a three GS." I don't, but there's something about free, right? In the same way that there's something about ninety-nine dollars as a price point, um, people, wow, I can get a free iPhone, you know, even if it's not (laughs) quote-unquote free. Right. um, You know, there's something about that as a as a people getting people in the door, And, and I think that what Apple also does really well is staggering its product line so that then, you know, going up from the 3.3GS to say, well, if I spend $99, I can get an iPhone 4, you know? And I think they, they very carefully stagger these pricing at increments so that it looks like it's not that much money, right, to spend a little bit more and get many more features or faster or these new bells and whistles and what have you. So we go from, you know, free to $99 for the iPhone 4. We go up to $199, for the iPhone 4S, which is the same price the iPhone 4 was selling at yesterday. Um, and that was clearly no object for most people, right? I mean, as, as we're saying, it was the best-selling smartphone around. So clearly people are perfectly willing to pay $199. And then we have the, the various gradations of uh, storage, you know, going up $100 for doubling the storage. Uh, and 64 gigs for the first time on the iPhone, which I, I don't know if that's a huge market or not, but I can say that as someone who's been buying the low... Uh, low capacity storage model every time i've just about filled up my my 16 gig phone so i would be looking to buy a 32 gig if i was if i was in the market so it's it's very cleverly structured and they do this with all their product lines you can always see there's a there's a very clear easy to differentiate um price point and what that buys you uh so it's a it's a smart move and it's one that you know the free might get them in the door and then entice them to spend 100 bucks if they're still going to be paying up a nose through a data plan anyways might as well get the faster phone yeah and and that's
0: something so you know you guys mentioned a little and by the way Dan I know that you're like in a parking lot and you probably have to go so you just say when and uh, and you you can drop out
1: I, i'm still good for now but i'll, I'll let you know
0: all right uh, you know i think i think it's interesting because i know a lot of people who have been waiting for what what was being called the iPhone 5 which is the 4s which i think is just fine but there's been a lot of people who have been saying, "Well, I'm not going to get one," or "My contract is coming up, and I want to get one." And now, lo and behold, uh, the, the main prediction that people were making for the longest amount of time, saying Apple might not change the exterior, they might not change the the, the look of the phone, but one thing they have to change, and what everybody did anticipate, is that they were going to uh, they were going to have a CDMA GSM world phone, and they did that. And this is something that I think is it, you know it's not a big deal to. Uh, the average person who maybe doesn't go overseas a lot or who isn't planning on switching carriers. But what this essentially means is that you can get one iPhone and if you want, you can use it on Verizon. You could switch to Sprint. You could switch to AT&T. So is this a compelling reason, do you think, for people to maybe switch and, uh, and and maybe buy the phone outright. And by the way, we don't know. Uh, at least I don't know. I couldn't, I can't. And this, and this is a really weird thing. Maybe it's fixed now, but I've been getting an access denied error when I go to apple.com slash iPhone. You guys seeing that? It's the weirdest I thing. To
2: look at. Yeah, I was going to say that Marco shouldn't build himself a, a live blogging system. He should build the <laughs> Apple.com website that stays up. And then <laughs> and for a second trick, he could build an Apple online store that doesn't have to be shut down every time they have a product change. Well, I, I've never... No, that's, s-
3: that's, that's much harder. That's,
0: I've never seen this before where actually I get like an access denied and don't have permission type of an error. I was I was trying to find out what the cost... Because see, I buy these things uh, off contract. I, I pay the full price because... Uh, I just, I just don't want to be on a con. I just don't want to be on a contract anymore. It kills me, kills me. So I pay the exorbitant fee, but then I don't have to switch. And this seems like the ultimate phone because then you can switch carriers. You can just say, Oh, you know what? I'm going to be on, for some reason you need to be on AT&T. You can be, you want to be on Verizon. You can be, you want to try sprint. Well, you can do. And it. You
1: got to think. You got to think. It was good for them too. I'm sure it's been killing them to have to sell a GSM phone and a CDMA phone, right? Right. Like it's it's very inelegant. So I think having the ability to make one phone that runs on both networks is clearly much preferred for them. It's also simplified for the customer. There's just the iPhone, right? And and even more to the point, now that they've added Sprint into the mix as well, uh, we're talking about. You know, Apple has clearly been working on this whole sort of—I don't know if you can call it a goal, but almost an ulterior motive of de-emphasizing the carriers. Right? Right. It's not about now—are you on AT&T or Verizon or Sprint? It's about buying an iPhone. The carrier is just there to be a pipe, and I think that's—that's that's, Apple wants to make their product the thing that you're interested in buying, and not to have it be an issue what carrier you're on or where in the world you're going. And so, to have one phone that runs everything is is makes perfect sense for the way that they do business. And I think it's also sort of, uh, you know, hints at the fact that when they eventually get to moving to the LTE standard at some point down the road, um, that will be in theory everywhere and it will fall back to GSM or CDMA or whatever. So uh, I think going forward, I would be surprised if they had to build more than one model of iPhone.
0: So let's talk uh, for a little bit before we, we've got a, I've got a couple other people who are lined up who, uh, to to bring on the show But before you go, Dan, uh, I just wanted to get your take on some of the other things that that were announced that were outside of the iPhone. I mean, obviously, they talked about iCloud, which people kind of knew about, and some people on Twitter and elsewhere were saying, oh, this is kind of a rehash of WWDC. So we've got iCloud coming. We've got uh, Find My iPhone. We've got Find My Friends now, which you mentioned. uh, But what about some of these, uh, these new things that people weren't necessarily expecting or hadn't really seen before, like Siri? And that's something I know that I'll talk about with the other guys, but before we, we let you go, what what's your take on that? And what was the audience reaction to some of the things it could do?
1: I mean, Siri definitely got the biggest uh, sort of oohs and ahs from the audience um, and the most applause from those of us who are not busily typing away. Um, <laughs> I think it's, it's incredibly impressive. And granted, you know, this all comes with a caveat of this was a demo. This was clearly, I mean, as they said beforehand, they sort of, they massively downplayed expectations. This is a demo, they said. It might mess up, you know, and we're doing a live demo in front of an audience. And so they're constantly, they're trying to really lower the bar expectations. And of course it performed flawlessly. Um, now, of course it performed flawlessly with their script of things that they were going to ask it that they had presumably tested to death. So. The proof in it is really going to be how it works when it gets out into the wild. But the demo of it was very impressive, uh, and that's because this whole idea of you know they made a big deal out of. To this date, if you've wanted to talk to your phone and tell it to do things, you've really been limited to a fairly limited number of things. You not only things you can do, but the way you can tell your phone to do things. And the perfect example is the the three GS's uh, and forwards voice control feature, where it does a handful of things. You can call people, you can play some music, um, and It works fine, but you gotta use their syntax. You gotta speak very clearly and precisely. Whereas Siri can be really smart and you know, like the computer on Star Trek or what have you, you can ask it a question and it will just sort of uh, figure out what you mean and then give you the data you're looking for. And so, you know, Forrestal demonstrated this by by giving a couple different examples of asking about, you know, the weather. Do I need a raincoat today? He would ask and it would show him the weather because it can parse uh, raincoat and figure out what that means. Uh, And it it, again, it it looks really impressive. And they they sort of showed off the library of of apps that it's built in with. And it's it's fairly pervasive in in the OS. It's a lot further reaching than voice control was. And so things like, you can tell it to set you an alarm at a specific time, or you can have it look up contact information, or move your calendar events around.
0: And there's some, uh, looked like there's some really neat, uh, like, geolocation stuff going on, like, when I leave work, remind me to call my wife, and, and it right. sort it of knows, knows where you
1: are. It knows not only where you are, but it knows who your wife is, which is a little <laughs> creepy if you think about it. Um, and so to to parse all this information, obviously a lot of this is happening up in the, uh, somewhere in Apple's uh, data side, server-side data structures, but uh, that's really cool and potentially something as, as I think Marco or John was saying earlier, something great to demo to people. Right? It's it's something tangible. It's something that that can be shown off and looks really impressive when it works well. Now, granted, we've all seen plenty of crazy stuff. Like uh, if you all recall the, you know, the Newton. You know, Gary Trudeau at Doonesbury made a whole series of strips about how terrible the handwriting recognition was on the Newton when you, when you wanted to write things. So I'm sure we will quickly see a number of people who said, well, I told Siri to do this and it did this. Or autocorrect, right? Another great example of things that uh, seem like they're really smart, but humans always seem to find a way to outwit systems that are supposed to be really smart. So I think we'll <laughs> it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But they've, they've slapped the beta tag on it, which is not something that Apple does all the time they're not like google where they, they put a beta tag on everything right. But they said they'll have more services and more languages in the future and so i mean clearly they'll be working a lot harder to make sure that this performs as as well as they've demoed it and i think if it if it does even half that well it's it's still pretty damn impressive
0: yeah very cool well dan Morn, thank you so much for uh, for joining us today dan Morn is the senior associate editor over at macworld you can read uh what he writes over at macworld.com and in the, uh, the print magazine as well. And you can, of course, can and should follow the man on, uh, on Twitter at D. Morin. Thanks so much for being here today, Dan.
1: Thanks for having me, Dan.
0: And uh, so, John, Syracuse, change your mind yet? Ready to get one of these things?
2: No. We ought changed. to take oh, up a
0: little collection or something for you. It's a waste of your money and mine. I don't use... I don't
2: have you don't what use I it really because you don't was have, was have one a, to use. A better it. iPod Touch, that's what I wanted.
0: And so what do you think about that? That's a great topic. The uh, iPods were announced and Marco had made a prediction that uh, (laughs) what what do you, what do you, well, (laughs) you know, you had, you had come out and said that uh, you predicted that maybe, maybe uh, they were going to completely drop the classic from the iPod lineup. What I, when I saw that, when they, 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 well, they, (laughs) here's what they did though. And I was, I thought you were right. I said, Oh, Marco was right. Because they threw up a picture that showed the iPod shuffle. The iPod Nano and the iPod Touch. The classic was noticeably missing, uh, and yet there it remains on the website, not discontinued, still still available for purchase. They didn't mention it,
3: which I think is the same thing they did last year. Um, I mean, and we should talk about the Nano also. It did get a a it looks like a software only update? Maybe is that? Yeah, I think case? it's a
0: software only update, and, and I think, I it, believe,
3: and we don't know. If, you know, will this be available as a software update for old Nanos?
0: Who knows? <laughs> yeah, we don't know. But one of the things that they that apparently the the thing that made the biggest splash of all of the news today was that you can get Mickey Mouse on your uh, on your iPod Nano, <laughs> which you know I think I think that's they could have just ended with right there.
3: Yeah. So you know, Apple kind of accidentally took over the portable gaming market. Like once once they saw that this was a big thing, then they pushed harder, and it was less of an accident. But they you know people kind of took Apple's products and you know, the iPhone and with the App Store and everything, and kind of forced it to be an awesome gaming machine. Similarly now with, with last year's Nano, on a much smaller level, of course, with with last year's Nano, people kind of accidentally turn this into a really awesome, geeky watch for, for a lot of people, with those watch band accessories. So now Apple's kind of um, co-opting that and taking advantage and saying, all right, well, we didn't think of that, because if, if they thought of it, they would have offered a watch band last year as an accessory. Um, you know, we didn't think of that, but now we're going to make it better, and we're going to give you this feature that makes it an even better watch if you really want to use it as one. Um, so I, I think that's interesting. But I think what's most interesting about the iPod updates today is that the Touch wasn't updated effectively. Like it, as far as I can tell, it's the exact same product, but now there's an option for a white uh, face. Otherwise, it's the exact same internals, the same capacity, the same pricing, and it's. I think it's extra interesting that this is like a gaming device, supposedly. Like this, this is a device that they really bill as like the ultimate gaming device, and it doesn't have the A5 or the A5's associated video card. Um, that I think is interesting, um, and you, it's worth asking why. You know why why isn't there an A5? I'm guessing, you know obviously uh, there might might have been a battery concern because the Touch has that very very thin case that doesn't have room for a big battery. Um, so it. You know, it, it can't it can't have all the demands of an iPhone. An iPhone has a bigger battery because it has all the cell radios and everything. Um, you know, in the iPod Touch, you know, maybe there just wasn't enough pa- power to power the A five. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe the A five is too expensive. You know, the iPod Touch has to be, it has to take what, what is many of the same parts as a six hundred dollar iPhone, and be able to sell them for like two hundred dollars. Um, so it has to skimp on a lot of part quality and and selection. Um, to get it to that price point and still have any margin at all. And uh, so maybe they just figured you know, they could uh, cut costs. It's also possible that maybe they're having manufacturing yield issues with the A5, and they want to make sure that uh, they can keep manufacturing as many iPad 2s and iPhone 4s as possible without having the iPod Touch also competing for that same inventory uh, or the same yield of uh, A5 chips. So That's we're going to... Well,
2: go ahead, John. Uh, this is the same as the 3 and 3GS thing. Remember when they, I forget which generation it was, but they did the same thing with the old iPod Touch where one revision, the iPod Touch didn't didn't get the new iPhone. It didn't get the A4 basically across the line. Are you they sure? Kept, I think it... They kept the well, old chip and they, they bifurcated it. In the it into cheap if you, one. Yeah, in the cheap one, it didn't, it didn't get the, the A4. It certainly didn't get the new camera and stuff like that because that's just way too expensive for, uh, for uh, something that has to cost as much as an iPod Touch. But yeah, like that. That was like a weird scenario where you're like, so you're telling me if I don't buy the very, very best iPod Touch, I get the old iPod Touch? That seems weird, right? So now here they're doing it again. Only you don't even have the option of an A five one. Uh, and I think it's the same. What, what you said about making sure they have a, enough A five chips for their two flagship products, the iPhone and the iPad, it's probably similar to what they did for. But let's not put the A four in every single iPod Touch. Let's just put it in the top of the line iPod Touch. Because we're not sure we'll have enough A4 chips to go around, you know that type of thing. That's that's sound planning, but it makes iPod Touch fans very sad.
0: And yeah, and you were one of those. You were one yes. of the sad, the sad iPod Touch. Uh, yes, fans.
2: but I'm very patient too, so I will just wait.
0: So, do you think then that the next time that we'll see an update to the iPod Touch will actually be around the same time that the iPhone 5 comes out?
2: God, I hope
3: it's not that long. Yeah, could be though. No, I, I bet it will be. I bet it's going to be next fall. Could be next June. You never know. That's possible, but yeah. At any rate, sometime next year. That's not the spring, probably. It's you know who? You, you know be, who probably
0: you know, would do. A, you know, probably would know. Maybe since that is kind of a rumor. Maybe we get okay. uh, Ar- Arnold Kim on here. Arnold Kim is the uh, founder of uh, MacRumors. dot com. Hey, how are you doing today?
4: I'm doing pretty well. This is the first Sorry time no.
0: we've we've had you on any one of these shows, but uh dot That's your baby. Yep. So much. We, we were just talking and we were wondering, you know, what, uh, what, what the scoop is on this. I mean, when do you think we'll see an iPhone five? When do you think we'll see an updated iPod touch for the, the sad, uh, you know, disappointed iPod touch, uh, users out there who were really hoping for an update in some way?
4: Yeah. now the iPod touches, uh, was sort of surprising. I mean, I think there were whispers about it not getting much of an update, uh, in the weeks leading up to the event, but, um... I don't know. I'm not sure why. I mean, maybe Apple felt like they had to stagger it from the iPhone, which is how it's been traditionally launched. Like, I guess iPhone in June and uh, updated touch in September. But I don't know. I don't, I'm wondering if, you know, if, if Apple doesn't, if, if it's a focus issue or whether they just feel like they can't upstage the iPhone, uh, you know, by upgrading the touch so quickly. Um, and I guess the other thing is um, you were asking about the iPhone 5, like yeah. the actual iPhone 5, like the redesigned potential yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, from what I understand, that that was actually real information. I mean, I, I don't think that was a um, completely out of nowhere, those, those cases that everyone saw. You're talking
0: about the wedge-shaped case. Yeah, the
4: tapered sort of MacBook Air looking sort of taper on it. When you say real, I mean, what, what do you mean real? Like they were really being made in a factory, or well, no? Case I mean, I think they really, were- they really came from Apple. Like that—that that was a design that actually came from Apple, from my understanding. Huh. And and it was in prototype form at one point. And there was one report that actually said it was stolen or leaked from a Foxconn factory. But even separate from that, I had heard that uh, it was a real prototype, you know, floating around, you know, in Apple's, you know, whatever Apple, however Apple does their prototypes. But what if it, that's the case, then oh, I'm sorry, go on. No, I was just
0: going to say, what do you, what do you think of, uh, of the complete lack of mentioning of the iPod Classic? People have been, you know, thinking that it was just going to be taken away completely. And here it is still on Apple's website, still available, uh, not mentioned, not even pictured at the event. But there it still remains. Why are people so eager to get rid of this thing and kill this thing off?
4: Oh, I mean, I'm not sure. If, I don't know how eager people are, but I mean, it's just looking at those numbers. Like if you look at Apple's, you know, revenue, I mean, the iPod line as a whole has been sort of a much smaller percentage of their um, of their total revenue. So it's just sort of the writing on the wall. And amongst and they're, I don't even think they break out the iPod Classic from, you know, the iPod Touch, which is where everyone thinks all the sales are going anyway. So you know, it's just a question of like, how many people are actually buying iPod classics? Uh, I think people like talking about it because the iPod was such a key figure in Apple's, you know, recovery. I guess since yeah. uh, in, in the early two thousands. Yeah. Um, so it's a good story, you know. It's been ten years, eleven years. iPod, which you know helped Apple come back, is now going to be discontinued, or at least in the form it, it came in. But, you know, I don't I don't know how many people, I mean, I don't think, you know, Apple hasn't released those numbers, but it doesn't seem like a lot. And I don't even think it's the sort of thing that Apple will announce when they discontinue. It'll just kind of go away at one point and, everyone, you know, someone will find it that it's no longer listed. And it's like, oh, you know, they finally taxed it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that's kind of what people have been predicting. But uh, you, what do you think in general about what was announced today? Not not so much the software side of it, uh, but the hardware side and especially specifically the pricing of these things.
4: So uh, I, I mean what so what is it 199 for yeah. the
0: and by the way the Apple Apple.com slash iPhone site did come back and I went in and typed in my own information to see if I was eligible and it's telling me that I qualify. Uh, so here's here's the price. I'm guessing this is with the contract. You can get the iPhone 4, 8 gig for 99 bucks, iPhone 4S uh with 16 for 199, 32 for 299, and 64 for three. Ninety nine with a two year contract. And this is for me on Verizon, but it's the same price for AT and T, and uh, we don't know about Sprint.
4: Right. So I would say it's realistic. I mean, you know, people always in the lead up to event events, people get kind of crazy and they they think, oh, maybe there'll be like a free iPhone four and like a ninety nine dollar iPhone 4S. But you know, the, those things kind of, you know, if you look back at how Apple's always priced their things, I, I don't know. This this sort of fits to where it's not a surprise, I guess. I mean, it's not like dirt cheap, I suppose. Um, but you know a ninety nine dollar iPhone four is pretty good. I mean I like you know, we everyone here was carrying around an iPhone four before today, right? So and I I, I still thought it was a great phone. So, you know, ninety nine dollars for an iPhone four is great. What I thought was strange was the three G S persisting at a, at the forty nine dollar price. I don't know if you all talked about that at all.
0: Just briefly, what do you guys make of that Marco, John?
2: I
4: mean, I
0: think forty nine for development or free. Is it no, free? No, it's free.
2: It's free. Yeah. Is zero dollars. If you go to the Apple store, it says iPhone from $0. Isn't that like, crazy? Yeah.
3: I mean, the 3GS right. is not a bad phone. It's it's old by our standards, but I mean, would you rather have any other phone on the market or that? But, you know, if, if you couldn't have an iPhone 4 or 4S, if you're, you had to choose between any other smartphone on the market or a 3GS, which would you pick? I mean, obviously a 3GS.
2: I think it's a mistake to keep the 3GS around as is though because... You, If you sell that to people, there are a whole menagerie of applications and particularly games that are not going to be at their best on the 3GS. I, I think it would have been better for Apple to field a model that they know they can manufacture for a similar price to the 3GS, take lower margins on it, and not saddle users. Like, whatever the bottleneck is on the 3GS, whether it's like the GPU or the RAM limit or whatever thing is going to be most... Is going to hamper people most. It's going to drive Marco crazy for like, oh, I got to get Instant to work on the stupid 3GS. Who still has that thing? Yeah. yeah. If, if Honestly, Apple I'm sells, happy with it.
3: If I'm Apple sells millions
2: of 3GSs, though, aren't you going to be kind of annoyed if people say, Oh, my thing is a little slow. What do you have a 3GS?
3: Well, there the reason one of the, the biggest reasons it was hard to support the 3G all this time, because they were selling the 3G until about two years ago, or until one year ago. Anyway, um the 3G is very is very hard to support because it has only 128 megs of RAM, and the OS takes pretty much a static chunk of that, and so you, applications had about 20 megs to play with. Um, when the 3GS came out, almost all of the added RAM it went to 256, and almost all the added RAM was, avail- was available for apps to use. And so, you know, it you didn't you didn't get twice as much RAM, you got like five times as much RAM to use in your apps, roughly. So, uh. Supporting the 3GS really isn't that hard. You know, it's nothing like supporting the 3G. The CPU is indeed much faster than the 3G CPU. Um, Games will definitely suffer a little bit because the GPU is more significantly slower compared to the more modern hardware. But uh, for for most applications, uh, supporting the 3GS hardware is not that difficult. It's not that big of a deal unless you're doing really CPU intensive stuff.
2: Does it run iOS 5? Yes, it does. Uh
4: So, I'll say, so now that I know it's it's free, I'll say that I think the 3GS at free is actually a great thing overall. Because I don't think these people are, you know, people who are looking for a free phone aren't necessarily like going to be complaining that, you know, Rage or whatever doesn't run on it really fast. I think it's just a great entry level for the iPhone. You know, if, if, because I, I, you know, you you hear like there's a lot of free Android phones and people just walk in and go, well, you know, I just want a free phone. So I feel like it's a market that, Apple hasn't been in, I guess. And
0: is is AT&T the only one selling the the 3GS uh, still? I think they are. Yeah, so it's just AT&T. Just AT&T. So that's the only way to get it. We don't know anything about the Sprint pricing. though. We don't know uh, when it's even... Do we know when it's available? I mean, so another thing we should mention, and this is something that really surprised me, and I wondered if you guys had any thoughts about this. I was really surprised. I mean, I was hopeful, but I remember before the show, I was was kind of musing about when... uh, when exactly we were going to get these things, when they were going to ship. And I, I thought, you know, maybe end of October, maybe early November, maybe November 1st, you know, something like that. And here they are. You can pre-order them on Friday and just, uh, just a few days from now and they'll be available on the 14th, which is only 10 days, not even a full two weeks from now. What do you, what do you make of that?
4: I mean, it may have been the software that was holding things up.
0: You think so? You actually think that that they had wanted to do this earlier, and that they had everything in, ready to go in production, and they were just sitting there waiting, uh, waiting for the, the software to catch up to all this, or maybe it was the services. What do you think?
2: It's always know. the software. It's always a, the software. If something is late. It's always the software, as my book. Like especially since they're not doing something dramatic and new and revolutionary with the hardware. Like it's not an all new design. and not, it's not an all new. You know, the, the chip that's in it was in the iPad. Uh, I we first of all iCloud. The latest of late, I would have to say, is iCloud because that's the type of thing where you can think you're done, but you're not really done, and you're constantly paranoid that the whole thing is going to crash and burn under load. So they've got to be freaking out about I- I- iCloud. And then iOS 5, uh, Marco's used the beta, so he can tell me, but the, the early betas didn't look like they were ready to ship. They were a big, hairy mess, and I'm sure they've gotten better. But like, I don't, if you told Apple, please ship iOS a month and a half earlier, I think they would have said it's not quite ready yet. Mar- Marco can confirm or deny Oh definitely.
3: I mean the, the the latest beta we had is now a month old. So you know keep in mind this is a, a month outdated, but even beta 7 from a month ago is not stable enough for me to tell people, "Oh yeah, you can you can put it on your phone. You won't have any problems." Um there there are still definitely issues and I'm guessing in the last month, I mean certainly fewer issues compared to like like beta 5 was really bad. 6 was decent, 7 is was was decent as well, but um, you know, they they've made a lot of progress, but definitely like a month and a half ago, maybe like in the beta beta five, beta six days, it definitely wasn't ready. And certainly when they gave it to us at WWDC, it was nowhere near ready. Um, so it's it's certainly very plausible that the software was entirely responsible for this delay.
2: Hmm. The other, don't uh, forget, uh, don't forget, no one has seen Siri. Like Siri has not been in the betas. This the, right, right,
0: this is the that was uh, I was going to ask about that and. um you know, I, I'm, I'm just wondering, Arnold, like, did you know about Siri? Did you know what it was going to be called? Were you anticipating this? Did your sources leak this to you?
4: Yeah, we actually did a pretty close mock-up of what the interface was supposed to look like. we we'll put
0: that in the show notes. I haven't seen it,
4: that. It looked pretty, it actually looked pretty close. Um, but the, I guess I was going to mention the other um, variable that may have been a factor was, I think there was a lot of talk about uh, rights negotiations with Nuance, uh, at least back in like right before WWDC. So, you know, maybe there's some political issues too, like, you know, trying to get, I don't know what the licensing terms are for Apple and whether they could launch it um, earlier or not. But yeah, no, from the serious stuff was pretty well predicted. And it sounds like, I don't know, it seems like a lot of people knew about it. And, uh, I mean, there's always speculation, but uh, things were pretty, seemed like the rumors were kind of spot on on that one. And uh it looked great. I mean, from what little I saw. I wasn't actually in the event, so I was kind of following along on the live logs. And uh yeah, it sounded great. You could do all these things. I guess in practice we'll see how it works.
0: Now, Mark, do you know Siri is gonna be fully integrated into the OS and available for uh free you know, somebody like you who's developing apps to just integrate this right into your application?
3: Uh, in iOS five, we don't know, but almost certainly not. Um I'm pretty sure if and if that was anywhere in the GM documentation, somebody would have mentioned it by now. Um it would also be very strange to launch an API in the GM as the very first time anybody's seeing it. Um, so I'm guessing right now definitely not, and in the future, um, possibly that they, they might expose that. But uh, I really wouldn't bet on it. There are still a lot of really deeply integrated awesome things in iOS that apps have zero access to. Really, I was going to one ask of the you, biggest like ones is the is the uh, the, the text to speech engine. Go in the other direction. Um, all the, what basically what powers VoiceOver. Um, the iPhone has a voiceover, a built-in text-to-speech process uh, that no app has access to. There's no API for it. Um, and I don't know whether that's because of licensing issues. Who knows? Um, similarly, you know, before iOS 5, it had a built-in, uh, especially on iPad, there was a built-in dictionary. You could look up words in iBooks, um, and in, I think in all the iWork apps. And it, until iOS 5, there was no API for that, even though it was there from 3.2. Hmm. And again, whether that was licensing for the dictionary source, who knows? Um, but with with Siri, I would imagine there are almost definitely licensing concerns. There's also just concerns with um, with just keeping control, making sure that you know apps can't register for all these different vocabulary words that might clutter up the phone. Um, who who knows what? But there's there's probably a lot of concerns with that, and it's probably a pretty big uh, undertaking to make it responsibly into an API and. It's very possible that Apple will either not think it's worth it for a while, or never think it's worth it to do that.
0: Interesting. Did you see
2: this Apple Care Plus thing that just yeah I just saw that's, that's, that's going to be a moneymaker? You know, what is that? So this that is, is oh, go ahead, John. All right, so it's it's ninety nine bucks, and you have to pay it at the time you buy the phone. Both of which are great pressure sales tactics for the Apple guy to sell. You know, they always try to sell you Apple Care. But now they're going to tell you Apple Care Plus, and they're going to tell you actually. If you don't buy it right now, you can't get it later. All right, so why would you ever want to spend this 99 bucks? Well, it covers up to two incidents of damage due to handling error. So basically, you can drop your phone two times. And each time you drop it, you have to pay a $50 fee, but that's way less than having to buy a whole new phone. Uh, so this, this has just got to be great for Apple salespeople because selling out someone on Apple Care is always difficult. But with something that you drop a lot, like a phone, especially one with the glass back, uh, it's really going to help to say, just give me the 99 bucks now and you can drop it two times and it'll save you a lot of money. I, I think a lot of people will buy this plan. It's just going to add to Apple's margins. Uh, Definitely. I don't know. This is going to be a huge hit.
4: I mean, I, I don't disagree with that, I guess. But the, the numbers, I'm not sure work out completely because I think it's $200 to actually get your front screen replaced, right?
0: Yeah, I think the di- there's a difference in price because I know that I dropped, I dropped mine and cracked the back of it completely and they charged me only something like uh it was like something like 29 bucks to fix the thing uh, and uh if they said oh well if it had been the front it would have been 200 bucks i think uh john gruber just called in John, are you there i am here hey so uh you're you're right there at apple you're hanging out you just saw the event what do you make of it uh it's, you
5: know i feel like it was inevitable i feel like in hindsight everything they did it, you know should have should have easily been totally foreseeable. Really? Yeah, I just think it's it's just one click further in the exact direction they had been going.
0: So, you know, you were, were you surprised that they didn't change the form factor? What was the uh, the feeling there? What was going on?
5: I just, I think that, I think that even I mean, I think it's obviously eventually they'll change the form factor, you know, and they could have done it this year, but I don't think there was a need to, you know, I feel like the A5 and the Better camera, you know, makes for a crazy better phone.
0: No, are you point. Are you calling in right now on on an iPhone 4S right now? Can you say?
5: No, I am not. I am calling on my uh, AT and T iPhone 4. So what do you? It did, have a, it did have a hands-on area though, so I did get to play with the
0: uh, 4S. So talk talk to us about the speed and the performance. And by the way, and uh, you can say hi to the other guys. We've got uh, Arnold Kim, the founder of Mac Rumors. We've got uh, John Syracuse and Marco Arment on the line here. Hi, fellas.
5: How are you doing? Good. Do no, hey, you guys good. have any question? I mean, it's you know, it's exactly what you think. Actually, I, mean, I have I have a question.
3: Do you think it would have been significantly different if Steve was the host of this event? Great question. Or does it not even matter?
5: I don't think it would have been any different. I don't. I, I can't imagine what would have been different. Uh, I guess I don't. I don't know what you guys have talked about. I, I mean, I, obviously, I've not been listening in, but uh, I, I thought it was a little almost, it, it touches a little conspicuous in a few spots that, that they sort of talked around the absence of Steve. Um, for example, the the best example, I think, was with Schiller, and the whole theory thing is obviously the one more thing, because he said, I have five things or four things to talk about, and there uh-huh. they are. And then he said, I haven't even given you the best feature. But they didn't put up a slide that said, there's one more thing, because that is the Steveism.
2: Every they, so they retired the number. He,
5: you know what I mean? They presented it the same in the same order, where they saved what they thought was the most impressive feature for the end. After, and there was a sort of moment where it felt like a coda, but they didn't say it the same way. They didn't say one more thing.
0: Uh, I mean, isn't that isn't that kind of like Steve's thing? Like, do you think we'll ever hear a one more thing said in the scope of hey, one more thing ever ever again? Or was that that was just Steve?
5: I think that was just. Yeah. I think they still might present it that way, but they won't use that exact phrase. Right. You know what I mean? Right. They Maybe might have a surprise,
3: a but yeah. Right. Um, like it's too soon now.
5: Yeah. You know, and, and you know, it's it's on, you know, it's a weird sort of you know, it was a weird event, you know, because it was the first event with Epstein. So that was a little weird. I don't think that they would have presented it any differently though.
0: So t- um, tell me about that though. What was the? What do you feel like the overall thing? I mean, earlier on uh, on the show we were talking, people were uh, were saying that maybe this isn't so much a phone designed to appeal to current iPhone four users as much as maybe potential new iPhone users. Oh, but- definitely.
5: I think that's definitely, and it's the fact that everybody's on two year contracts. You got, you know, I think that they're absolutely on a two year cycle. You know. If lots and lots of iPhone 4 users don't upgrade, I, I, of course they're not going to. Normal, normal people don't do that. I mean, I mean, how many iPhone 4s have they sold? They said, I don't know, whatever the number is. They said it was more than all the grand total of the iPhones, iPhone 3s, and iPhone 3Gs, 3GSs combined. Uh, normal people don't don't upgrade till their contract's up. I mean, I, I, nobody I know who's not a, a nerd ever would even think about it. So is this,
0: I mean, is this not a good time then for people who want to get a new iPhone or, or get an iPhone? Like if, if you have a 3GS, you better upgrade her now, right?
5: Right. Yeah, you should upgrade, right? You should pre-order on the first day. If you've got an iPhone 4, you've just got It's the same as all the other years where you have to decide, are you the type of person who, you know, who pays a, a higher price to upgrade off, off contract?
0: I mean, right
3: now, what are you going to do?
5: I'm an idiot. I'm going to buy one.
3: <laughs> what See, the... I, I have a really annoying timing here. I just checked. If I buy it on, uh, after November twenty fifth, I can get a full subsidy. But if I buy before huh. November twenty fifth, I pay an extra two hundred fifty bucks. Well,
5: I think and I'm, I'm actually put... considering. <laughs> I'm seriously thinking about switching to Sprint. Are you oh, really I... for what? Really? Yeah, I really am. When when did the, and...
0: when is it available for Sprint? I mean, when is Sprint you same, know going to start running? Same day. You know,
5: October. 6th you'll be able to pre-order
3: one that will run on Sprint. There's
5: also right. there's okay. an interesting
3: note on the tech specs page of the iPhone, uh, footnote number four. It says, CDMA is available only if the iPhone 4S is sold and activated for use on a CDMA network, which means essentially that it's locked to the CDMA, or rather GSM phones are locked to not use CDMA ever, right. possibly.
2: That's what I was going to say. Dan was mentioning that it was like a world phone and you can go from carrier to carrier. I was going to question that because although it may be technically possible, they always love to do something with the hardware and software that makes that not
0: well, possible. Well, see, that's that's exactly the, what I want to know is because, you know, I'm, I have no plans on switching off Verizon. But let's say that I did or, or let's say that AT&T has a better plan. or Let's say I want to try Sprint out. Let's say I want to try Sprint. I right now my contract is up on Verizon or, or, or darn near close to being up. And I've got, you know, I'm, I want to look at the business plan options because I've got Faith working here. I want to, you know, I'm going to phone for me and my wife. And if I have three or four phones, all of a sudden now maybe you get a better deal on, on, you know, if you go with a business plan, maybe it's five that you need to have. But in any case, what if I wanted to go and try it? I don't want to be under any contract. Can I go buy this new phone, hook it up with my existing no. Verizon, and then say, oh, forget it. I want to go to AT&T. I can't?
5: No, I- could buy, in theory, if you could get your hands on an unlocked one, you could get it to work on any GSM network, including AT&T, if you got an AT&T SIM card. But I think that the Sprint and Verizon ones will be locked to Sprint and Verizon for CDMA use. But then you could take your Sprint iPhone, go to Canada, or go to Europe, or whatever, and get on a GSM network when you're roaming.
0: So I can't... I'm not free to go... Okay, wait a minute. I'm not free to go from... So you're saying... They've laid down the lot. I cannot go from carrier to carrier. I can't go in. I,
5: well, I don't know that for certain. I did not ask that. Uh, so can you, I don't, can you I, go I don't back
0: in there? It. We'll wait. and you go <laughs> back in?
5: Yeah, well, I'm still in the building,
0: so I could
3: go upstairs and ask. That'd be great. Because that's, that's, that's the million-dollar question. With the iPhone you know, 4, well, they did have that unlocked one available after, after a few more months after its release, and it was like you know, the full unsubsidized price. They're probably going to do the same thing here, where they're going to have an unlocked one available with no subsidy for those who are willing to pay for it.
5: Right, but I'm not sure how that works with CDMA. I still don't think that that unlocked phone... Because CDMA that, just is a- anti-unlocking. I mean, it's...
4: Right. Yeah, does that like even exist? Like, can you get an unlocked CDMA phone? I'm not even that familiar with it. I have no, no I don't think so. I've,
5: ne- I've never heard of
4: such a thing. I yeah, don't so totally I don't even know if it's an Apple limitation as much as a... You know, CDMA limitations.
0: Right. So, if that, let's just say it's locked to CDMA, and you, you can only use it on, say, Verizon or Sprint. Why why could you go and use GSM in the UK,
2: but not use it in the US?
4: Oh, I see what you're asking.
2: It's just a software limitation. Like, I think if you if you had the chip is not different. I don't think this is me guessing, but I don't think the chip is any different in any of these phones. It's just like whatever the uh, the firmware in there for talking to the CDMA network is. And if you gave it to like an Apple tech or something, could they like wipe this phone completely and put on a new baseband thing for connecting to uh, sprint versus Verizon or whatever? Uh, I think it all comes down to, you know, DRM and unlocking. And I'm sure some hackers will find some way to uh, unlock it because I think it's the same physical hardware chip. And the only difference is the firmware and the software.
4: Well, I think what Dan, I think what you're asking is if you buy a Verizon oh. iPhone 4s. Can you plug an AT and T SIM card into it and yeah. have it work? Yeah, I think, I, I
5: think you could. No, I think you could. It
4: could. You other couldn't other be on both. A,
0: you couldn't be on both at once.
5: It couldn't be on both at once. I don't. You think. could switch. I, actually, that's a good question. I don't know about that. I, yeah, I don't know about that because that's not roaming.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I got a uh, question for John. Uh, um,
0: uh, okay, and I got I got one after that. So go ahead, John. Seriously. So they made
2: a big deal in the keynote, or I'm looking at like the feeds or whatever about the speed of the camera, how the first picture is like one point something seconds, and the next one is point five. But what everyone wanted to know, who was just looking at the text feeds, was how long does it take from the time you pull the phone out of your pocket to the time you can take a picture? Did you test that with the hands-on things?
5: I did, and it did seem better, uh, but it's hard to tell how much of that, though. Is you know how much of it is because you know my the. My iPhone, my personal iPhone four, hasn't been fresh booted right before the thing, and maybe I've got more web pages open, and uh, I, I suspect I do not know, and of course they wouldn't tell me. I suspect it has a gig of RAM instead of five hundred twelve, um, and so that would help it fast too. It did seem faster though, especially with the, the double click the
2: home button trick in iOS. But it's not. It's not one point one seconds. Like that number they gave out, the number they threw out there, there was one point something seconds. They're talking about once the app is launched, right? I think so.
5: 1.6, I think, was the time for the first photo, and then like 0. 0.5 for each subsequent photo. Yeah. And it definitely did seem that, you know, to, to take a series of photos was faster, way faster than any iPhone I've seen before. Uh, I can also say that the camera definitely looks at least when you're looking at the pictures on the iphone four screen side by side it just looks way more like a real camera like flesh tones and um like the room we were in was indoors but it had a fair amount of sunlight um and it just looked i was standing next to jim dalrymple who's a very very handsome man no, So I, I, I had the two phones my phone and the new one side by side on his face and his skin looked way healthier on the, the new phone.
0: <laughs> That's that in and of itself is pretty impressive. That you could make him yeah. look anything slightly, you know, normal.
5: Um, and it's also slightly wider angle. So, like, if you take a panorama shot with the two phones side by side, you're going to get a little bit more, uh, a little bit more from the sides on the new one, which I think is good. I think I think the wider the better on a on a pocket camera.
0: All right, listen, uh, John. How much uh, how much time do you have? Do you think you can uh, text me maybe the answer and, and and let me know? And one other thing, if you're going up there, can you find out how much the text me
5: what answer? Well, oh, we, the answer
0: about switching. Yeah, about switching. And we also want to find out what what if I just want to go and buy one of these things and I don't want to I don't want to do a two year contract. Let's say I'm happy on Verizon, uh, you know, and I don't I'm not trying to I'm not trying to go to AT and T. Whatever. I'm just just. Happy to stay on Verizon. I just don't want a two, another two year commitment. Can I? Do we? Do we know how much the price is? It's six ninety nine still, or are there? I mean, what are, what are the well, prices?
5: but I think isn't it, I think it's probably. i I'm like, I don't know the answer, but I'm guessing it's like three hundred dollars more than the subsidized price, Okay. So maybe more. Maybe more. I don't know. Um, I think it's interesting. I, I was. I don't know if you guys have talked about it, but I was. You know, while Marcos here, I thought it was an interesting. In hindsight, I'm not surprised. I guess it does make sense. But I it, it, I was not expecting him to keep the 3GS in the lineup. Uh, and that's an interesting thing for developers because the 3GS remains something that needs to be supported for you know probably at least another two years.
0: Yeah, Marco had, had addressed that. But he was saying that since it runs iOS 5, he doesn't care. It just means more customers, right? Right. right.
3: It's It's going to impact games a lot more than non-game apps. Um, because right. it is, it is still a pretty fast CPU. It's, it's not the 3G, thank God. Uh, it's, it's still a fast CPU. It still has a good amount of RAM. And it's 256 megs of RAM, um, which is decent on, on uh, for iPhone apps, and, you know, and it, it it's going to be a lot easier to support than the 3G or the original iPhone uh, certainly are by today's standards. Um, games though are going to hurt a lot more because it really is a much slower GPU compared to what's in the iPhone 4.
5: They also, they, I mean, you know, and they never answer real technical questions, but uh, I was trying to get an answer as to whether the new antenna design, have they added an extra antenna that wasn't there before, or was there always these two antennas, and it's only just that now they're able to switch between them on the fly? Right. And they, they did not answer. But if you look at the at the marks, there's four of those rubber separators between the antennas now instead of three. So I think that they've added another antenna to the frame, you know, and clearly I thought it was so clear in Schiller's diction that it was sort of a big, I mean, I think it's a good idea, but I think they're still bitter about the whole antenna gate thing. Yeah,
4: they, don't, they don't and, want and, that and, so,
5: again. and they're not going to, they weren't going to come out and say this takes care of this sh- where you have your finger on a certain spot. Like you probably have to put your finger on like three spots at once to do it now or something. Uh, um, but I guess you know, as you think about it in hindsight, you know, the, as busy as all of Apple's iPhone engineers are, you you can only guess how busy the uh, antenna engineers have been since Antenna Gate. Yeah, it's exactly it's exactly the same thickness. I, I think case makers, at least the ones that have already updated to support the Verizon one, where the switches are slightly moved, uh, like the mute switch. Uh, it's, I'm, it's you know, it seems almost certain that existing cases will app right in there's there's almost no way to tell it apart from a iPhone 4.
0: Do you think John that we're getting close to a point where Apple is just pretty happy with this form factor and that people should not judge based on the form factor and, and look yeah, more absolutely. at the features?
5: Absolutely. I mean I, I don't think they could have been more clear about it. yeah, uh, you know, I mean I guess eventually they'll do something new but I don't know. And maybe this is a, maybe this is like a new pattern, you know like most of Apple's patterns are annual. Maybe this is like a new two-year pattern where if they come out, if the next phone has a new form factor, you can pretty much bank on the fact that the next year's phone will be that one S. Mm-hmm. Right? Right, you like a TikTok. TTS, then you go to a new form factor and you go 4S. So then maybe next year there'll be an iPhone 5, and then the year after that, an iPhone 5S. Yeah.
0: I mean, Arnold, is that kind of what you're seeing? I mean, do you oh, think... Oh, I
4: mean, I, I, just pattern recognition. I don't, you know, no one's talking about the the next two phones yet. Um, although, you know, a, a lot of the stuff we talked about for the iPhone 5, you know, the tapered design may still apply for the next year's design. But no, it seem, I mean, based on just pattern recognition, it seems like, you know, the number repre- may represent the form factor. And then, you know, maybe there's a faster one, a speed bump, uh, if you will. I
5: w- I'll, I'll say this, too, talking to a bunch of the other hacks out here that there's a lot of mystery about the whole tapered iPhone with a four inch screen and all these case makers who jumped on it. Like even more than has been published about it, an awful lot of press people have been contacted by various people, you know, uh, an awful lot of sources claiming that they know that it's real. You know, obviously they were all wrong, but there was a huge amount of speculation on that that wasn't even published, that people were just like, well, I'm not running with that. It seems, you know, weird. It was very strange. Like, a couple people I know, the cult of Mac ran it yesterday from the, I think it's Hard Candy or something like that. And they like were bragging about it, that they're 95% certain and they've already spent $100,000 on tooling and all this stuff. And that they shopped that around to a lot of people. I mean, I think they were just after the publicity of like pre-iPhone getting the publicity of saying you know, this case maker has spent all this money on, you know, sure that this is the design that, you know, an awful, lot, it seems like an awful lot of people were, were misdirected.
0: All right. Well, listen, uh, Arnold, uh, Kim, thanks very much for, for being here. Uh, appreciate it greatly. You can uh, read Arnold's writing over at uh, Mac com, and you're on Twitter too, right?
4: Yep. Arnold Kim.
0: All right. Thanks very much for joining us. Everybody go check out his work. Thanks. All right. Thank you. And John, how much uh, how much more time do you have? Do you have to go? You're going to go uh, back? I, in? I
4: have a couple
5: more minutes. If you guys have any questions, I mean, uh, I got to play with the series stuff. I don't really have anything to say about it. I mean, it you know it worked as well for me as it did in their demos. Uh, you know, uh,
3: well that alone it, is pretty valuable because usually these kind of natural language processing things, like Wolfram Alpha, uh, Alpha is a great example too. Like usually these things, you can always pick out a few phrases that work well in demos, but then like once. Once a non a non biased person tries to just say something themselves and see if that works, oftentimes right. it really doesn't. And so for you to right. be able to go up to it and try it and, and it works with your test commands, that actually is saying quite a lot. Yeah,
5: it's really good. Uh, like, and Jim Dalrymple asked, uh, "Where is Ozzy Osbourne?" And it it did not know <laughs> the answer. It didn't know the answer, but it absolutely you know it, it it knew who Ozzy Osbourne is. You know, it was amazing. You know, it's spelled completely correctly. Um, I thought it was interesting that the, that the voice addiction is, is like Google's where it round trips to their server. Like you can't use that when you're offline. It's like if it's in airplane
0: mode, it's, it just, does it tell you it doesn't work or does it just time out?
5: You know, I, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, I'll see if I can find, that's a good question. I'll see if I can find the answer to that. Um, but it does seem faster than Google's. It seems very fast. It feels like something that's happening on the phone.
0: Uh, Speaking of on also, the phone, I've got, by the way, I've got Horace Dead. you here from assumeco.com. Hey, Horace, how you doing?
6: Hey, Dan. How, how are you? I'm, I'm well.
0: Good. Good to have you here. We've got John Gruber uh, calling in from, uh, I guess, the floor of somewhere in, in Apple's secret uh, compound. We've got Marco Arment and, uh, and John Syracuse on the line. Hey, guys. It's late there. Where, uh, where, how, what time is it? Like 2 a.m. there?
6: No, it's only 11.
0: Okay. Are we keeping you
6: up? No, no. I usually stay up a bit more than mm-hmm. this.
0: Well, John's there on the floor. What kind of questions do you have for him? He's, he's just... Well, uh,
5: I, mean, I, I would love to hear a question from ours. Just, just let me finish my observation, which is that if the, if the dictionary is round-tripped from the phone to yeah. the cloud, what's the point of limiting it to the iPhone 4S? I'm not entirely sure. I think some of the, I think the answer is a little bit marketing to get people to buy the four and I can't help but think that some of the processing is going on locally because it seems too fast. It seems like it happens too fast for even if you consider that Apple has excellent, excellent Wi-Fi, it just seems like it's, it it parses what you said way too fast. So not you're, you're saying
0: you're saying that that this is a, a forced. Limitation just and and that maybe one day they open this up to the regular iPhone four maybe even the three G no they're never
5: I don't think no they're never going to open it up to the four I don't think um, but it's I'm I'm not quite sure why though if if the processing is going on up in Apple servers I think the answer is that some of the processing is going on Apple servers and some of it is happening like maybe it takes like a first crack at it locally and then it sends it to the server just to see if it can come up with something even more accurate.
2: If you're right about the thing having a gig of RAM, I think RAM could be a factor, because Dragon Dictate on the Mac takes a huge amount of RAM to, like, load your voice print profile or whatever, so even if it's sending stuff up to the server, it still may be translating it into, you know, sound sequences or whatever, and if the thing does have a gig of RAM, I can imagine them saying, well, we know the speech recognition is a RAM hog, and we don't want to booting all the other apps out of memory on an iPhone 4.
5: I'll tell you what's interesting about that is that I wasn't, my question but somebody else asked, is it? there were you know, there were widespread reports that in addition to Siri, which we know Apple was an acquisition by Apple, that there was going to be a deal with nuance for the Dragon naturally speaking technology and they said they had like it was like a no comment. So I don't mm. think that the nuance stuff is in there. I think it's you know, it's all Siri powered or, you know, new stuff from Apple. I'm not sure if the old Siri stuff that Apple acquired was was that Voice recognition, or was it just the natural language part? Like after you know what the query is, it it can help you do things. I don't. I don't, I don't know.
4: Uh, I, let me ask not, this
5: question then:
6: uh, Was there actually a text to speech being demoed? We have no idea from where where I was sitting. So was was the device speaking back to you in a in a yeah. clear clear voice? Yes, uh, and. How good was the quality of that of that um, voice? How good was the the? It was
5: very very you know, good. It you know okay. it's at least as good as the ones on the Mac. Uh, you know the ones in in Lion really.
6: Right. Uh, from a, my I, from my understanding is actually the database you need to create the words the text to speech part is very memory intensive. Um, so it could be that that also takes up a huge amount of memory, which would imply the need for this uh, 4s only.
5: Yeah, it could be it could well be that the limiting factor is RAM. I would not be surprised. Because the other thing too is that and I thought about this is that even the iPad 2 isn't getting that feature. Right. It's only the iPhone 4S. And so that you know because technically the iPhone the iPad 2 is probably running at a faster CPU speed. If, or at least, the, you know, the same or yeah. I or
6: think that. I think it's memory. I mean, it, they might be able to fit it, but they couldn't fit anything else. So I think that's what the issue is, probably. Yeah.
0: So when you go back, other you going going back in there and get that, some questions, Sean, or what?
5: Yeah, I, I probably will.
0: Do they have what do they do in there? I mean, how is it? How is it set up? Is it all? Is it like dark? Do they have the cloths on the tables? Do they pull no, you into the secret room? room
5: it's, or? It's, no, it's the opposite sort of like the opposite of the ones at Moscone the ones at Moscone are super super dark or or or, and or Moscone and the Yerba Buena are all black and they have like this real like mood lighting from above whereas this room is is uh totally white it is white walls white ceiling lots of sunlight
0: quite a contrast and they they don't I guess it's easier for them to like are things locked like uh, are they worried about people ripping stuff off is it all locked at the table
5: no, they just have little, a bunch of little kiosks, and I got, you know, you, two two devices on the table and one person at the table. And uh, it, it, I don't think, I, well, in fact, I know, it was, it, not everybody got to go in and the hands-on thing. So everybody, all the press who was there, not all the press was in the hands-on area, which is different than like at the Europa Bueno where everybody goes in. It was a smaller um, hands-on.
0: Did they send you home with one? Can you say?
5: no i do not have
0: one we don't know though you might well
5: if i did i wouldn't be able to tell you right
0: so but the I answer is yes no but i don't have one okay <laughs> but you are getting one no you're not going to buy one though
5: oh i'm going to buy one yeah yeah
0: what about what about for your wife is this something she needs to upgrade to or are you going to keep her oh own... yeah because
5: no, she's on the. I didn't. I said this on the talk show where she still has a 3GS because she was rating. Oh, the, for, the for the white. white yeah. Right.
0: That's right. So you're yeah. all getting so when,
5: an upgrade. Right. Like when Steve Jobs resigned, she said good riddance because she's so pissed about <laughs> the white iPhone she never got.
6: I <laughs> was like, my wife. <laughs>
5: I there mean, she go. wishes him the best. You know, I mean, she wishes him good health and, and long life, but I mean, she's going you know, she thinks he was good a CEO. <laughs> he screwed her out of an iPhone.
0: Right. So, what do you think? Worth the trip? Worth the trip out there?
5: Oh, absolutely! It always is. I mean, but a lot of the reason it's worth it is that is that talking to people's stuff. You know, I mean, it's the the you know, a bunch of gossipy writers and bloggers and stuff like that.
0: What do you feel about the uh, John Syracuse? that was very depressed when he saw that there was no new iPod Touch. It just the same old, same old iPod Touch, which completely shut down his upgrade path.
5: The, what's the story on the iPod Touch? It's exactly the same, just a new color, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not surprised by that. I'm not surprised at all.
0: John Syracuse, I mean, do you want to do you want to share your thoughts with John?
2: Well, we already talked about it. I mean, I don't find it shocking. I just find it disappointing. You know, I want my better stuff. I want my A5 based uh, iPod Touch. But as we were discussing earlier, it's not without precedent that the iPod Touch does not get. Uh, even the new CPU, uh, do you remember the details in this we were trying to remember for? John remember when the, the touch came out, and only the top of the line model had the new a four yeah. and, and the other one had the cruddy thing, so we 're kind of yep, used to yep. being we're, you know obviously we 're not going to get the, the new camera obviously we 're not going to get the fanciest screen because you can 't sell that for two hundred bucks. you know We understand yeah, the economics, yeah, you, but right. and
5: there's so. no way you could put that camera in the in the touch because the unless camera, it was wedge shaped yeah.
2: and thicker on one side. <laughs>
5: No, and I think the iPod Touch because you know the iPod Touch takes a hit on that because it's not subsidized, so they have to sell it for a profit. And you know, you know, obviously they could still have a one ninety nine model that has the A four, but and just go up and you know just have an even more expensive one at the high end. But I think for simplicity's sake, they're not. They, They also seem they seem to have a very ambitious rollout schedule. I thought. It seems like they are seriously prepared to meet demand very, very early. So
0: do you think do you think people are, are going to be waiting out in line for this uh, this phone? Do you think people are going to order pre-order it or people are going to not get this thing filled? They're going to be waiting weeks and weeks and weeks before they get their phone like, like last time or is that not going to be like it this time? What do you guys I, think?
5: I, I think if you pre-order on the 7th, you'll probably get it in the mail on the 14th. I think anybody who tries to get it at a store is an idiot if you're going to get one right away. I think pre-ordering is the way
0: to go and get it. So are you, you're pre-ordering yours. You're pre-ordering two of them.
5: Correct. Although I'm not 100%. I don't know what to do about carriers. Like I said, I'm tempted to go to Sprint, but uh, I mean, I don't want to get it and find out that Sprint is terrible. I
0: don't know. That'd be the worst, because then you, according to, well, depending on what you find out when you go back in there, you may be stuck with Sprint. Right. You know, this may, this because on the one hand, getting getting the, the CDMA and GSM capabilities the in in one phone making a world phone it seems like wow this is going to be great for people who want to travel and everything and it is but it's even better for apple because it it's all just uh it means right. they just have two skews now or however many skews you know the white the black and then the two or three different sizes it's actually better right. for apple than it is for us unless right, unless we can walk it to to different carriers
5: no, I think it's absolutely one, one thing they're manufacturing. Definitely simpler. Total, you know, it's a very Tim Cook product.
0: Does it, does it feel that way? Does this feel more like a Tim Cook product than a, than no, a Steve Jobs Tim product? Cook,
5: but just, well, but I, I, not so much like in that it's got his like personal stamp on it, but that, that sort of operational efficiency, figuring out a way to get a dual-mode chip that has their battery performance, meets their battery performance needs, and fits in, a, in a, the exact same form factor is a total win operations-wise, right? Like, we don't really care. Like, it doesn't matter to me and you that the Verizon iPhone 4 and the other, everybody else's iPhone 4 is actually a different product, but it totally matters operation-wise for Apple.
3: Oh, they have 18 the, different iPad 2s. Right.
0: Now, we don't know if, if this is going to change, if this radio will make it into the iPad 2 or, or 3, do we?
4: I can presume it would, though. Yeah.
5: I mean, it seems like a safe bet, you know. It seems like, because that's part of the Apple pattern, is that the iPad comes out with something, and then the iPhone gets it, and then the iPhone has something new that the next iPad gets. So I would, I can only guess that they would put the dual-mode thing in there, because it's also, in addition to being dual-mode, the new antenna has, uh, you know, faster 3G download speeds.
0: Horace, what did you think about some of the numbers that uh, that they shared? uh, this time around. I mean, we, we heard some numbers about how much they, uh, first of all, I mean, they talk about the stores, 357 stores in 11 Mm -hmm. countries. Uh, you've talked a lot about how the stores influence, uh, Apple's ability to sell things, not just from the moving product standpoint, from from Mm -hmm. the brand awareness standpoint, 6 million copies of Lion have been downloaded. That's 80% more than Snow Leopard. Uh, that's, that's a big number. um, they were comparing it to Windows 7, which took 20 weeks to reach 10% of the Windows install base. And it took, Lion, like, uh, two weeks. Uh, I mean, wh- wh- how does this play? And then moving into the mobile space, uh, you know, I they talk about the Mac platform growing by 23%. But but th- that's, that's a 23% market share for Apple as of August.
6: Well, that was actually just retail in the U.S. In so- just the U.S.? Yeah. Yeah. It was a, I noticed it at the bottom of the slide. That was, that <laughs> oh, was a fine there print. It is. That's NP, what I looked
0: for. <laughs> NPD. Yeah. Look at this. NPD for U.S. retail. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
6: So, um, yeah, you know, there's, th- these are all, these are all on, not that I've got go. You got to go, John.
0: Okay. Thanks for, thanks for being here, John Gruber. Uh, appreciate it. And, uh, people know where to find you, daringfireball.net and, uh, Gruber on Twitter. And we'll be yeah. back for, for talk show later this week.
5: If you guys have any more questions right now, you can text me and maybe I can text you back, but I kind of got to get off the
0: phone. All right, man. Thanks for the time.
5: All right. Good talking to you guys.
0: Goodbye. Sorry to interrupt you there, Horace. What were you sure, saying? Sure,
5: no
6: problem. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think the biggest number was uh, actually the app download number, um, 18 billion. 18 uh, billion.
5: Which,
6: yeah, which is, which they also mentioned the song download number, which was 16. And, you know, lo and behold, um, that's two billion more uh, songs, which actually I, I had sort of expected the crossover to happen some time ago, and it did happen. Um, and and so I've been tracking these figures and, and sort of projecting them. Um, now, the other thing they gave was, which is very important, and they do give this number, I think this is the third time they gave this number, which was that they paid out $3 billion to developers. So that's 70% of the income they received from apps has been paid out. So that means um, that we can calculate how much Apple took in altogether and how much they kept and how much they gave away. And since we know also the number of apps that were downloaded, we can calculate how much each app cost um, for the, you know, that was the price to the end user and therefore, you know, how they split the pie and how much uh, it took to run the iTunes app store. Uh, so so anyway, these numbers are sort of um, out there now. Um, roughly, you know, I calculated that uh, an app costs on average now about, uh, actually, I tweeted it. I've forgotten just exactly how much, but it was about 28 cents, I think, or maybe 25. Um, anyway, um, I'll get these numbers into my blog later. But basically, we can look at the history of that price point over time, see how much it's gone down and it has gone down. Still not very fast, um, and I think that kind of speaks to the to the whole iTunes empire, and um, you know the fact that the songs are still growing. We can calculate how fast. We can calculate, for example, that apps are coming out or are, are being downloaded at the rate of a billion a month, approximately. Yeah. Um, so I'm very interested in that in the in those figures. Of course, the Mac, the iPhone numbers, the quarter million uh sorry, the quarter billion iOS units shipped is phenomenal. I I I you know I said I tweeted that that sounds to me about a quarter of the way there, wherever there is, which is basically I, I see as a billion units being somehow a, a, a um you know the, the 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 threshold where the platform would be, you know, officially in my mind, successful. Um you can't really call anything with a billion users a loser, um, which I think people are tending to do relative to, let's say, Android, but you do reach that critical mass. In fact, a billion is also the number of people approximately who use PCs. So, you know, if iOS ever crosses that, um, you know, we can call it a success. And um, so I I saw that number. um, And again, that's not really a surprise since we know pretty well what, what things are ramping at. In terms of units out there, um, of course. Uh, by the way, some of those units are no longer in use, so it's actually not 250 current users, but 250 million units cumulative sold.
0: I was I was um, following I was following your Twitter account, uh, Horace's Asimco on Twitter, and uh, in addition to these uh, general stats that you were sharing, you were you were also sharing how much Apple's shares had fallen. <laughs> so after you know a couple hours ago, they were three percent, then. Four percent, and then five yeah. percent, and uh, and I think you said something like uh, the last time. Here it is: the last time I saw this much disappointment with a keynote event was at the iPad launch, and then the shares were down five percent. So what, what do you? What did you mean by that? The disappointment well, and you what's know, your it, take?
6: It's, on it? it's almost like if there's it, this. This is like again comes from disruption theory that if if the experts in the field and the experts, I mean. People who write and blog and 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 you know are completely consumed by this by this field. If they are disappointed, it means that basically that Apple is not dealing with the high end of the market, and that means that they're actually probably dealing more with the middle and the low end, which is actually where the where the sweet spot is, and that you they should be paying attention. So it's almost as if if people are disappointed in a keynote, it's a perfect counter indicator of success. I used to kind of joke and say every time you know I see a blogger complain about Apple, you know a cash register somewhere in an apple store rings um it, it, it it's so it's so powerful this idea that you can you can watch the tech sphere and and sort of like bet against it all the time and win. I think the stock market is another one of these things because the initial response of the stock market is also tending to be from either traders who are sort of just caught up in the momentum of things and reading the wrong things, or, you know, so-called experts who say, ah, well, you know, it's no good. You have to let things sink in and actually understand much more deeply what's happening. And I'll actually, I'd love to get into this, and probably we will more in the next show, but I think that what's happening here is far more profound at a deeper level. I think the the series story, um, coupled with the iCloud story, is actually something that is more of a tectonic shift happening away from the device alone and more towards the device plus um, a, a, you know an infrastructure behind it, which we call you know sometimes cloud, but it's a services or or something of that nature. but basically this becomes a meta platform, something that's beyond any one of those places individually it's It's greater than the sum of those two parts and i think actually that's that's you know we're seeing the same phenomenon happening now with amazon and google both in terms of sort of seeing devices as the critical element to extending their franchises i mean you have to ask the question why would a, a you know a shopkeeper want to have a device of their own you know that's what uh, that's what amazon is their their shopkeeper their 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 they're retailer Google is doing completely different things. They sell packages of users to advertisers. Why would they want to be in a device business? Why would they spend twelve and a half billion dollars on 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 Motorola plus building their own platform uh, to try to sort of take over the world? Why? I mean, a lot of these questions are old questions. Why why would these players which have complicated business models that have nothing to do with devices that have nothing to do with with uh, you know plumbing software, right? System software. Why are they involved in this business at all? And the answer actually, I think, lies within this question of like the fact that you can't have a cloud system or a cloud service without a device to make sure that you're not being blocked from the new space, right? So so in a way that the device is the is, if the device is the new way of getting into the internet, uh the device is being integrated you, you it can be manipulated by the control point that that owns it so in that sense though, what they're doing is they're playing defense and they're saying okay we need to own the device space now having said that what what is apple doing cuz they come from the device or the computer space they're actually integrating in the other direction they're going back into the server world and sort of building up huge server farms and it's not just to to you know have nice Nice additional value add to the device it's because they need to essentially create this meta platform and um, and so i th- I see Siri actually as part of that great great plan because don't forget it is a network enabled service every transaction that goes through Siri has to be going through an apple server somewhere, and that information is being captured it's building a huge amount of knowledge not only about the phrases we uh, we use, but rather also about who we are and what we want, and it's basically doing what Google is doing. Siri is Google with voice, and you you realize, of course, what that means. You know that Apple is actually attacking Google right now hmm. with this thing indirectly, and, in a, a hidden,
0: in a hidden yeah. sort of way.
6: Yeah, and and also by 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 building. I mean, now we're starting to see the answers as to what that server farm in North Carolina is all about. Mm. We're starting to see the answer. It's it's about building the infrastructure to create its own... um, You know, it sounds like it's supporting the device business, but it's actually capturing all the interaction with the end user, right? So, you know, I I said about the um, Kindle Fire, I said the Kindle Fire is not designed to be read, it's designed to read you, or you don't read the the Kindle Fire. The Kindle Fire reads you. That's its job, to figure you out. And so what the new iPhone, its job is to figure you out as well. And so is Android's job. But all of these platforms are really out there trying to figure us out and then learn from us or learn us and then turn around and then feed us things that we want so whether that's content or services or all kinds of other things but these become private networks in a way because the pr- the knowledge has to be captured assimilated and completely um uh you know complete you know the, the, these are uh, the amount of data we're talking about you know is a petabytes right it's it's an enormous amount of data and all of that becomes private knowledge private knowledge of each of these companies and um, that's what they're all about they're about capturing that knowledge um and of course you know we can talk about privacy but it you know they'll say well it's all aggregated and all that stuff you're not targeting you individually or you're part of a group but still we want they want to know you so i think really uh, ultimately this is what's happening this is what's happening with cloud icloud this is what's happening with with fire this is what's happening with Siri this is what's happening with Google has been happening actually Google pioneered this whole idea sort of people are catching up with it um and so that's really i think part of what's happening and um and that's why i'm 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 i think it's going to take a while for this to sink in we have to look at it from all angles we have to look at it competitively we have to look at it technologically but we have to look at the business model as well I mean, this is a huge amount of money to spend on infrastructure, on, on, on this um, AI, which is, of course, a dream of everyone, right? Um, for what purpose? To sell more iPhones? I think that's naive. So the, what is
0: the long-term purpose? What is it long-term? Not, not a few years from now to know us better,
6: but, but long, long, long-term. Well, so again, I think that the, the database that's being accumulated... About human behavior is a statistical gold mine. I think that that the ownership of that behavior database um, is going to drive pretty much all commerce because let me step back even more and think mention one thing and this the whole internet exists because at the end of the day somebody pays money for something right there's a transaction that occurs it's usually. Uh, it's usually in a shop somewhere so typically w- what's feeding all of the infrastructure all the, all the investment all the all the dot you know all the all the booms that are happening is commerce the point is that those transactions that are occurring today on the fixed internet the sort of the desktop internet they are happening because um uh, because of advertising right so the problem has been on devices is that there hasn't been that uh, uh, mobile commerce right mobile specific commerce, and the advertising is of a different nature so what what i think I think the device is a completely asymmetric product to the desktop in many ways, like I said you know this is why I also was asking sort of rhetorically why isn 't Siri on the Mac? A lot of things don 't make sense so i i you know what is the future long term I think I think the device is the new computer. The device, however, is a completely different computer it's a It's one that has much more ability to be uh first of all it has a short lifetime, which means it doesn't have that kind of um longevity of a d de- of a desktop which says that that you know you'll keep it for a while and you know you'll 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 customize it you'll do things to it. It's something that you own for a short period of time it gets upgraded frequently and you don't mess with it. It's much more locked down, and your your um, it's served up in a sort of like a, a you know I hate to use the term but it's not, I can't think of another it's you know a walled garden so um, and 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 because it is so because it cannot be anything else um, the you know the people who want to know you want to capture that information and sell you things um, need to own that device need to control it and this is why I think that this shift is happening. Um, and I think Apple is one of these players because you you have to have a huge amount of resources to play this game. You have to have not just the device business, not just the platform, software platform, but you also have to have these giant server farms. Um, so, you know, Apple is in the game, but it's, so um, I, I don't, I think they're playing catch up in a way, but um, they're leading in some areas, but not leading in others, which I think on the, on the, on the back end side, they're not leading. And, and so that that's kind of like the big picture again, and maybe again we should get into this later, but um, I would look at this discussion about what is the big deal with 4S in that context, because Apple is, is shifting fundamentally from being device and, and, and software client-oriented to being client-server, again, using old terminology, right, but device plus cloud it's 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 a it's this this combination both of which uh both of these pieces being actually proprietary in a way and um um that that's that's what they're doing and fundamentally I think strategically and it's actually probably something they learned from Google that they need to do Google is the one who figured this out some time ago that this is where the this is where the value is so to answer that question yeah you, you need to have this mountain of data in order to finally get the transactions you want done, so that consumers will finally open their wallets and get you know commerce going through this through this world of, of of virtual networks.
0: It's a lot to think about, man.
6: Yeah, it's kind of a little bit, maybe a little bit too too much at this point. But I I I, I to be honest, this is what I would think about when I was thinking when I was watching it and. And it is not – this event cannot be seen in isolation. It has to be seen together with the event we saw last week, to, together with the events we've seen before in the in the cloud in discussion that's been happening. Uh, you have to think about operators and all of the dynamics happening. And that's, this is why it's so hard to, you know, pull the trigger on a trade. And I think that the mistake of people saying, okay, I, I get it, It's it's trivial – it's not at all. And that's why, um, I think it, you, we need to sort of just think, step back, think and, and, and process and digest this information. And I think the it'll dawn on us slowly and, um, and bright people, smart people will, will put pieces of the puzzle together. Maybe, maybe not everyone will figure it out, but it's how I think the puzzle is being built and, um, and uh, you know my inspiration came from actually this discussion that was had after the fire launched you know people observed that hey the idea of having a a browser that that is half and half that half the, you know this is amazing how actually when when john was talking about how this the split uh the split processing that's happening with with Siri where it needs a powerful device but it needs a powerful back end Um, it's the same thing that Amazon is doing with Silk as a, as a browser, they're splitting it. And it sounds like, well, they're doing it for performance reasons, but they're also doing it as a, because it helps them understand or read the the user better. And, and they're getting to capture every single, um, uh, user action. And yes, yes, it's private and all that. Well, how about the privacy of Siri? You're telling it your most intimate thoughts. Right. And it's going to process this and help you. It'll know your schedule. It'll know your wife's name. It'll know everything about you. And it sounds spooky, right? But it, it in fact needs to do those things in order to be a good assistant. And um and so we all want that. And that's why Apple will deliver it. But I think ultimately they're gonna really be aware of us a lot better than 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 anyone
0: maybe, else. Yeah, maybe then uh maybe than we even want. Well, one of the things that uh that I think, you know, we all are sort of mired in the uh in the space of being, you know, geeks, we're always very focused about uh the, the, the technical side of things like that. And uh you know, we're we're not always thinking as much about how the data mining that goes on behind the scenes, um, you know, and there there is quite a bit of it going on is that something that you think that, that you know that we
6: should be concerned about you know i i'm not a very comfortable um analyst or analyzer of this because i am not a typical good customer as a, as a, or user of advertising and so i've always lamented this fact that i don't consume advertising supported advertiser supported right, media right um but what I what I would say is you no, know, because these things come up on the blog all the time. Like when we debate things, like well, what's happening with, with with uh, the Kindle, um, you know. And I would say, well, um, you, you know, Kindle is it looks like it's disruptive because it's doing these clever things about learning more about the user, and that means that it, who is it disrupting? Well, that means it's disruptive Google because now it's going to know more about Google uh, what, what what people want. Um, than then Google knows, because they're going to track all of their web activity, right, with the browser. Um, not even Google knows that. Google just barely gets you to kind of track what you do when you use their services. Uh, but what then what are they selling and to whom? I mean, these are very... So, so the, part of that discussion was like, well, what about Microsoft? Because Microsoft should be disrupting Google, right? They're fighting Google with Bing. But then... To disrupt Google, you need to sort of take the, take the, the uh, asymmetric approach, and then you have to ask, well, what is Google actually doing? Well, Google is selling users to advertisers, you know, because people were saying, well, Google is, is actually Google is uh, giving stuff away for free. You can't undercut that. Well, they're not. They're, they're actually, their product is you. Their product is a user or a bunch of users, and they're selling that product, to advertiser who is the buyer the customer so the advertiser is given a product so you when you ask the question about what is the product how can it get better how can you make it cheaper that's the discussion you have when you're in that domain of advertising you're not really thinking about the user being given a better experience User experience is irrelevant. What matters is how much you know about that user and how much that knowledge is worth to an advertiser. So you turn the things around like that and you say, again, can I get good enough users for, um, of, of you know, um, that I can sell? So maybe a good user is a, is a, is, a, is, a, is, a, is an avid user. A good user is a frequent user. A good user is a rich user who buys a lot of stuff. And a A bad user is someone who doesn't buy a lot of stuff and, you know, like me or, you know, doesn't spend a lot of time in your services. And so you want to, like, not work with that product. You know, you want to sort of get rid of that. That's low margin. You want to focus on the high end stuff. And that's the high, you know, the high margin that you want to sell to the to the advertiser for a premium. So a disruptor would come in and say, I'll take the low end. I'll take these these customers you discard or I should say users that you discard and then I'm going to sell them for a lot less, or I'm going to use them differently. That's the whole question that has to be discussed in terms of like so it's not just Google who's doing this, but Amazon is doing this, or will be doing this with with their uh, with their tablet and 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 I think Apple will eventually be doing this uh, because they're coming in with also layers and layers of uh services, uh, cloud, media. Uh, and and increasingly all your documents, and increasingly now all your spoken commands. Yeah. So um. So then I don't know. You know, we'll we'll have to think through a lot of this.
0: Yeah. Well, let me. Um, I'm going to try and get Christina Warren on the line here. She is the uh, entertainment editor over at Mashable.com, and one of the things we haven't talked a whole lot about Christina is that you are there finally. Did I get? I you? am. You finally. are here. Uh, sorry, it took so long. We tried to get you once before. So. We've been talking for the last I don't know hour and a half here about uh, about this announcement. One of the things we haven't really talked very much about at all yet is, you know, we have, and maybe that's because people are bored of it. But I think there's enough there, like the whole iCloud thing and everything that uh, that they've announced that it's finally here that people are finally going to be able to get to use it, and a ton of these media features. I mean, you're really in touch with what goes on in the consumer side and the entertainment side. Uh, we didn't talk about newsstand. We haven't talked about any of that. What, what's your take on this? I mean, how does this sit with you? You're there up in, uh, in New York city now, right?
7: Yeah, I sure am. I sure am. Um, and, I mean, I think that the iCloud stuff is, is obviously, I mean, I think uh, the downside of WWDC um, being separate from the iPhone announcement this year is obviously that a lot of the really cool software features end up being separated from the big hardware announcement. So some of the stuff, you know, people have already, feel like they've already heard before. But hey, you know, it's, it's four months later, and uh, after using the betas and, and testing iCloud and its various uh, incarnations. It's pretty exciting, I think, especially with the, the new version of AirPlay that will also include mirroring playback and work with games for the iPhone as well as, um, you know, obviously the existing devices.
0: So how does this work? If I go and, and I've... Let, let's just say I ripped a whole bunch of CDs five years ago and they're crappy quality. Uh, and I, I want to use this iTunes match thing. It's 24 bucks a year. So well, here's what... The ha- am I understanding what happens? As iTunes goes... And it looks at all of this, uh, all of these existing songs and everything that I have, my whole media library, and then it it tells Apple's servers. More Horace was just uh, telling us about uh, about all of the things that uh, potentially Apple is learning about our behaviors when we use Siri and when we use it as a personal assistant. But it's learning a lot about our listening habits too. That aside, it'll go and it'll basically say, "Oh, here, here are these really." Now we understand that you really own these things, so these are yours now. These songs and. We're going to give you the very high-quality versions of all of these songs that you've downloaded, and uh, and and now you'll be able to download them at this high-quality to all of your devices from anywhere, wherever you are. Regardless of how you acquired them, they're yours now for 25 bucks a year. What happens if after a year you cancel? Do they take those away, or are they yours forever?
7: That's what's not clear. My, my, my thought is that they are going to be slightly modified in for a file, so it'll be kind of, I'm guessing... Um, like, the, like the files that you used to download from the iTunes store that were, that were protected and you could play on certain accounts. And, and I'm guessing that that would be how they could prevent people from just transferring library to library um, to one another. Uh, but, um, I mean, that's a really good question. I mean, it becomes, okay, so what happens after you know, the year is over? Uh, what happens to this archive of music that I've had? Um, and I, I'm, I'm guessing that they think that the price point that they've got will keep people wanting to keep their 25,000 songs or whatever, you know, in, in, entrusted to Apple. Um, But it does kind of – I think it's an interesting hybrid approach to the subscription streaming music um, offering you see with companies like Spotify and Mog and and RDO and Rhapsody and the ownership model, which you have obviously with iTunes and and Amazon um, because while you will have access to these tracks – That are on your system and and have access to them from any device, which is the sort of functionality you get with a a Spotify per se, you also still have kind of the the ownership aspect um, and that you can have the offline listening. Um, But then there's still that element where you didn't buy the song outright necessarily. Um, So I I am not really sure how the digital copyright uh, part will work, although I'm sure that whatever they've done, it would be probably pretty easy for people to remove if there is some sort of copy protection to remove it from the file. To treat it as if it's something normal, uh, but I think that the idea is really to kind of bring um, this, the true meaning of the cloud, I think for Apple, it has always been about accessing your content from any device, but accessing it in the best way, so it's not streaming per se, it's about just having the ability to uh, tie into that existing ecosystem of content you've got, no matter whether you're on your phone, or your iPad, or your, your MacBook Air, or whatever.
0: Well we were, but we were we were debating what the you know what the significance of, and if you would be comfortable with uh, with you know basically sharing everything that you've ever downloaded with iTunes and with Apple uh, in order to get the higher quality audio and then what does that mean would you share that or are you content with the the audio that you've already ripped
3: i mean i'm i don't have any problem sharing that because i don't really think it does much to identify me or or has much potential to be creepy to me in my, in my life. Like I've always enabled genius so far. And that also gives Apple a list of all the stuff you have. Right. Um, right. so, you know, it's, it, there's, there's really no difference from genius in that regard. Um, except that now I guess, uh, Apple, you know, if you're very paranoid, you, you might be able to say that, um, you know, maybe Apple can detect what you've pirated and report it to the RAA or something. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a, I don't see that happening. Um, there'd be so many issues with that. Uh, But, but B um, you know, it depends on how much you have to hide and and whether you're willing to take that risk. For me, most of my MP3s at this point are downloads that are perfectly legal from jam band live sites. So (laughs) not only, not only am I not afraid of being detected for piracy, but um, almost none of my stuff is actually in iTunes match so far. (laughs) I've had to upload nearly all of it uh, with the beta. So um, again, it's, it's an issue of where you're comfortable. A lot of people are going to be very, very um, private with their stuff and, or very paranoid, and, and they're not going to want to share anything, and that's fine. I think most people aren't going to care, though.
7: Yeah, I, I think that you know, the thing you have to keep in mind is that with services like Spotify that people you know, are flocking to now, or, or, or Mog, or, or Radio, or whatever, I mean, they get all that listening information. And, and quite frankly, if Apple wanted to, it, like, like Marco said, if you've got Genius enabled, it's not as if they don't have someplace, if they wanted to, a tracking of, of everything you're listening to. Um, I think it's, it's a little bit different, you know, what, what's in your personal music library versus some of the other content that might be out there. Uh, and at least for me, I I trust Apple a lot more than, than say Google or Facebook in terms of what they would do with my listening history. So I don't
0: know. I mean, I, I don't have that much music anymore, but I can imagine if I had this huge, huge, huge library, uh, and, and. Varying quality, and it was something I wanted to sort of preserve forever. I love the idea of not having to worry about what 's on the particular device that I 'm using at any given time, whether it 's a computer, whether it 's an iOS device, whether it 's an Apple TV, and just have access to the the music. But for me, I 'm way more these days, way more of a consumer of TV shows and movies that I've bought from iTunes. Uh, than I am of, of music. And we have this great service now with uh, iCloud already working on hmm. Apple TVs, where any TV show that we've ever bought, we could just hit a button and we would just start watching it. Uh, we're still waiting for that for movies. That wasn't announced today, as far as I, I heard. Unless That's going to um,
7: take some time. Do
0: you think, why, why does that take longer, Christina Warren, than uh, than TV shows. Why are movies so different from TV shows?
7: The licensing is completely different. So for the TV studios, typically, you know, Apple only has a certain number of partners anyway, in terms of what TV shows they offer. They have more partners uh, with the, the movies. Um, and I think that it, it's easier for whatever reason, because the proliferation of, you know, streaming services like Hulu and Netflix and, and whatnot, um, getting content online for TV shows is, is more acceptable at this point. Um, Movies, it's always going to be more complicated, I just strictly from a rights and licensing management point of view. Um, but not only that, I think that the, the real uh, kicker will be to wait to see what the adoption is like on uh, Ultraviolet, which is the studio um, consortium uh, plan by the DVD or whatever. I get access to a digital version, which a lot of companies already give you access to. You know, buy a movie, you get the, the digital download, you can download from iTunes or whatever. Um, but Ultraviolet goes a step further in that they will have a cloud access so that if you're on an Ultraviolet-enabled device, then you can also access that content anywhere, and it doesn't matter what device you're on or where you're at, as long as you enter in your login ID um, and it knows that you bought it, then you have access to all of your movies. Um, and right now, four of the five major studios have worked together on that. Disney, uh, we're not sure if they're going to sign on or not. I think if Disney signs on, then Apple is a lock. Um, that's how that usually goes. I know the, Disney was working on their own um, kind of very similar system called Key Chest. so it'll depend, I guess, on whether or not they can make that work with Ultraviolet or not. Um, the first title that's going to use that is um, Green Lantern, which comes out, I think, on October 12th um, and so uh, from uh, Warner Brothers. So it'll be interesting to see the pickup on that. But I think that that is probably what will end up being the sort of solution. And whether or not that can integrate with iTunes um, remains to be seen. Again, I think that, that Disney will be the big key there. If Disney agrees, then we can probably expect to see support for the broader ecosystem through iTunes.
0: I think it, it's going to be very interesting to see how this all plays out over the next few, not not even months, but maybe over the next year or so. Hey, I wanted to ask you, Christina, also, uh, do, you, do you wear these uh, iPod Nano watches? Do you wear that? Do you do wear the watch?
7: Well, you know... The the best one the kickstarter watched the the where it was a lunatic um that Scott Wilson from Minimal designed. he actually sent me one of his prototypes um after we covered it on Mashable I got to review it and I also ordered one Did you just um, did Grant you just
0: keep it? Did you just keep it. Well
7: yeah I did because it was it's a special like one off like it was nice. You deserve it. Was, it. it was, you deserve it. Come on. Well no it was one of those it was a one off it was it was a prototype it wasn't one of those like you return it sort of things. Oh. So I reviewed it and um and I also got Grant one for his birthday um and he loves it you know I it's a little big for me because I have a very small wrist. As you have met me in person, yeah, you're I'm a very you're surprising,
0: small surprisingly surprisingly <laughs> small. It's it's almost disturbing.
7: Yeah, but it's a I'm good a, it's I'm a good
0: a, thing. I'm not. I don't I'm, mean that. In I'm a, bad a little way.
7: bit petite, but I can still put it on. Um, I like them. I, I think that uh, it's certainly it, it's interesting because the the watch fashion aligned perfectly with the Nano last year um, because the, the the watch stylings were all kind of going into those big kind of blocky square. Um, watch designs and it, it just aligned perfectly. And I, I think it's pretty cool to see that they've taken that up a notch and, and are having all these different, you know, watch faces and have kept the form factor the same um, so that those existing you know, accessories won't be pushed out of stores or, or leave people, you know, obsolete or whatever.
0: So we're, we're, you know, we've we've got to kind of wrap this thing up. It's been almost two hours, which is Half an hour longer than I wanted to do it, but uh, <laughs> we can we can kind of end with maybe some of your thoughts, Christina. Where, what do you think? You know, you've got your finger on the pulse of the planet there in, in New York City. It's not like you're in Brooklyn or anything. Um, you I, know, I'm,
7: I'm in Brooklyn like 12 hours a day. Yeah, yeah, but
0: the other 12, you're in. You know, you're in downtown, and and you see the the trends, the fashions. You see what people are using here in Austin. You know, everybody's in. You know it's it's a different it's laid back here people aren't quite so you know it's not as go 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 really so i'm i'm curious what do you what do you see what do you think you're, you're going to see on the streets over the next couple of weeks i mean 10 days from now you're going to be able to go and pick these things up do you expect to see lines Do you expect to see people on the streets uh you know with their with their brand new iphone uh Ss, or, or do you think this is not as big of a deal do you think they're going to be lines what, what, what's your take
7: So, you know, I think that we're seeing kind of already a lot of people are disappointed uh, because of what was built up. And and that's we can only we can blame the press. And I certainly take responsibility as much as I can for helping feed those flames. It's it's a difficult (laughs) thing. You know, you know, the readers are excited about it. You want to write more about it because, you know, they're excited. And and it just it becomes this kind of disgusting, uh, you know, virtuous cycle of hype. Um, So the press is certainly largely to blame for for a lot of I think the misunderstood um, expectations. But I think that it's a really solid upgrade. I mean, the way I look at it, I've been very, very happy with the iPhone for, a, for a form factor. I think it's actually probably, you know, my favorite phone form factor. I, I don't know from a form factor standpoint, if you can actually get in better than that. And I've been I've been arguing that for quite some time. Um, so I think that the internal adjustments, and especially the, the stuff of Siri, which I remember before they were acquired with Apple, I talked to them and interviewed them and wrote about them and thought that they had fantastic technology. And I think that seeing that um, will actually be a big move for a lot of people. Um, but I think more than that, I think that you know the the good thing about this sort of launch is that it's kind of like the 3Gs, where a lot of people initially said, "No, I'm not going to get it. I'll be happy with my 3G." And then when push came to shove, there were still trillions of lines and people still were, were lining up um, to get the phone. Um, and this time, you've had more than a year, so yeah, I do think that there are going to be lines. And I do think that people. Are ready for a new phone. Um, and I think that the big, market, big opportunity as well, especially in New York, you know, I still see, you know, anytime I see a white iPhone, I can almost guarantee that it's a Verizon user, right? Because it, for whatever reason, you know, a lot of people waited till the iPhone came to Verizon and then the white phone came out. So they got the white iPhone. Um, and I have a feeling that that sort of shift to other carriers is going to push a lot of people to the iPhone who otherwise didn't have one. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely expect to see lines. I definitely expect to see people with them. I already see iPhone 4s more than any other device, um, except when I'm in my neighborhood, which uh, there's no other way for me to say this. without sound like a classless and, and a classist person, but I see a lot of Blackberries because they're the cheapest thing. Uh-huh. Um, and, I mean, it, bec- it becomes with those things. But everywhere else, I mean, I see practically nothing but iPhone 4s. Uh, like a 3GS, it'll be really hard to tell the difference between one and the other. Um, but I think that we'll probably see a lot more white units start to appear. Um, and yeah, I definitely think there'll be lines. I mean, I know I'll be getting one. I, I'm not going to wait in line if I can help it. Yeah, you're going to pre-order, right? Yeah, as, as long as I can. When I try to pre-order my iPhone 4, Apple's whole system broke down. So hopefully with three carriers and Apple, they'll be able to stay afloat, I, I hope, because I really don't want to wait in line at the Fifth Avenue store. Like, that's just like my, my idea of health, <laughs> <to be honest.
0: laughs> Well, good luck with that. Christina Warren, Thank you can you, you can uh, read all of her uh, writing over at uh, mashable.com, where she is the, uh, you're the entertainment editor now.
7: I am, I am. I got, I got a promotion, got a Wonderful. job title. Congratulations, well-deserved. You you, you you can also,
0: you can read her uh, her entertaining tweets over at uh, twitter.com slash film Underscore girl. Thanks again, Christina. Thank you, Dan. And thanks again also to uh, Horace dead you for being here today, taking out so much time late at night for you, Horace. But you can follow Horace on Twitter at uh, Asimco. And you can also go, and you can and should go to asimco.com to read uh, what will no doubt be a series of very entertaining articles. Do you have anything big planned? Uh, well, I mean, obviously we do our show tomorrow morning, so I'm looking forward to that. But uh, anything between then and now people should uh, be looking out for.
6: Well, I think I think I'm going to do um, um, you know look at the data that was just released in terms of numbers and uh, kind of do, do one
0: of your stack charts.
6: Yeah, I'll, I'll see if there's something I can whip up quickly tomorrow <laughs> um, to to kind of. Yeah, to kind of summarize the data, because I'm not going to be able to really talk a lot about the deep stuff until later.
0: Right, you're going to process yeah. it. All right, well, people can, again, they can follow you on uh, Twitter as a Simco and uh, check out a simco.com. Thanks, Horace, for being here. Thank you. Marco, that just leaves you. appreciate it. Marco Arment on Twitter. Well, what about John Syracuse? Did he leave? Oh, gosh, yeah, he left. I forgot to say thanks to him. Uh, he did. He had to drop out. He had, you know, He's got a job, and he's got kids to pick up and shuttle. Uh, so, so yeah, John Sir, John Syracuse doesn't he doesn't really have a blog. And you you kind of have Which to go is to really Ars a Technica. Tragedy. It is, uh, but you go to arstechnica.com. You can read his eighty uh, five page line review among other great reviews. You can follow him on Twitter Syracusa, no Z in Syracusa, and Marco your Marco Arment on Twitter. And you can go to marco.org, great domain. You can read his incorrect iPod Classic predictions among other correct <laughs> pre- predictions. <laughs> Uh, he's the founder creator of instapaper.com and uh, he does a show we a, a lot of these guys do show. let's just pimp the shows you do a show called build and analyze right here on five by five uh john Syracuse does one called hypercritical on five by five horace his show is called the critical path christina warren and i used to do a show called briefly awesome and we're working on something else uh so you can check that out all of these shows are on five by five tv and uh thanks again marco no problem and uh thanks to everybody who tuned in today for the slightly longer uh than we intended show we'll probably do more specials like this over time uh you can follow me on twitter if you'd like to as uh, dan benjamin you can also follow the uh five by five twitter account which is just five by five and uh you can hear all of these other the great shows and all the great hosts and all the good stuff that they do uh just by going to five by five tv really appreciate you all tuning in today
3: have a good one